106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight oh the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming and the rocket This guy. Um, excuse me, would you mind taking a photo of us? Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Okay, everybody say cheese. Oh, um, actually, I'm a vegan. Could you please have us say something else? <laughs> okay, everybody say tofu. Tofu is actually not as good for you as vegans think. Any crossfitter will tell you that. It's bad for your testosterone levels. Okay, I'm sorry. How about we all just smile? Oh, if one more asshole asks me to smile. Not really an asshole. I'm taking a photo for you, so. What's it to smile about anyway? Okay, would you like me to just count backwards from three? Oh, would you like dyslexic people to just not exist? My cousin has dyslexia, so offended. Adopted. Don't even know who my cousins are, so more offended. How about this? We all put a word we're comfortable with in our heads and I'll get the shot. No, it doesn't sound very inclusive, though, does it? I suppose you'd like us all to stand a few metres apart, would you, Stalin? Jesus Christ. Oh, I don't see what religion has to do with this. Well, I'm an atheist, so majorly triggered. Is that a comment on the gun debate? Still trying to control people. But it's not just the people. Has anyone thought about the animals? Look, this is what we're going to do. Everybody throw up a peace sign and I'll take a photo. Wow. Cultural appropriation is alive and well. Why don't you just ask us to say Kung Fu? Guess what? New plan. Group selfie. Ready, set, go. Boom. And looks awesome. You're going to love it. Wait. Nice to meet you. You took it with the front camera, you stupid cyclist. Good day to you. This is Lou Benninger, and you're listening to No Hostages Radio. This is our uh, 66th episode, and this should come out on uh, July 4. 
Independence Day. And so thank you for listening. Uh, because you may have gotten here a variety of ways, let me just tell you a couple of connections uh, to get hold of us. Uh, you may have gotten us through your podcast source, and so you just picked up No Hostages Radio somehow. and Or maybe you saw an article I wrote where there's a tagline at the bottom, and you could have gone to our website at nohostagesradio.com, so you can get to our uh, podcast both ways. Uh, there are... <clears throat> Uh, podcasts all the way back to podcast number one if you want to go onto the website as well as uh, 100 100 150 articles back there as well that I write for a local uh, newspaper here in Northern California called Territorial Dispatch you can look at that newspaper um, at territorialdispatch.com if you're interested in that but uh, some of you I know are are listening uh, from other states, a uh, few, and uh, I just had uh, breakfast with a couple ladies today, one from here, one who was left here. She and her husband uh, left uh, in 2017. They were both uh, the kind of people that you want to live in your state. He was uh, <clears throat> retired from the military in IT, and she was a nurse, uh, and they were salt-of-the-earth people here in California. Couldn't take it anymore. They don't like socialism, so they moved to Florida. And so she listens and uh, reads the paper online in Florida. Tampa, Florida. Likes it a lot down there. So uh, she was up visiting, wanted to have breakfast. I'd never met her before. We'd never really met. She just listened to me on the uh, podcast. So we... Uh, had a great time. We had a four-hour meeting this week. I was shocked. The ladies could talk a lot, but I enjoyed uh, the banter. And uh, so you may be listening from somewhere else. So we talk uh, a bit about local things. So I hope that doesn't bore you sometimes, Northern California stuff. We're facing some unique problems in California. I've lived here all my life. And uh, California was an amazing place to live growing up. A lot of freedom. My dad uh, and my uncles owned, all owned their own businesses. They were just blue-collar type folks. My uncles were carpenters, <clears throat> welders, things like that. My dad was a butcher, and so they had their own business. And so I, I learned what it was like to um, have the responsibility and take the risk of having your own business and relying on your yourself and those around you, your family members, and uh, – not counting on the government to bail you out. Back then, there was no bailouts. Everybody in my family, I was raised in a blended family, and um, my mother had two children before she married my father, and then they had me. So I had a half-brother and half-sister, as they used the term. And everybody uh, worked in the family, and nobody ever really whined about it. Everybody just thought, hey, this is uh, this is what we do. We work and provide for the family and... Um, to me, it was a great, great growing up time. So I hope you're getting some of that. So uh, sometimes I talk about some of the changes that are happening here in California, with our, which are profound, by the way. Uh, we're in the midst of a, uh, a really a communist takeover. Uh, it started here in California years ago. We're kind of the poster child for it in the 50 states. And uh, but you're seeing it with the Antifa. If you think that the uh, COVID-19 or Wuhan flu or Chinese flu or Chinese Communist Party flu, whatever you want to call it, if you think that this big hullabaloo about it um, 
is just a coincidence. Uh, you're just I, I really don't have time to convince you, and I'm not really interested in that. What I'm interested in is equipping and motivating people that get it. And if you don't get it, uh, hope you get it one of these days. I'm not speaking from arrogance. I'm just speaking from reality. Some people just don't get things. And so um, we're in the midst of a coup to take over this government and to throw out a duly elected president. You've probably noticed that from the beginning of the Trump candidacy, uh, there's been an attempt to uh, uh, usurp his authority and to overwhelm him and to uh, lie about him, uh, do all manner of manner of type of evil, even undermine all the uh, leading law enforcement departments in our country, Department of Justice, FBI have been have been compromised. It's 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 sad, but uh, we it wasn't that he created it. He just exposed it. And so what we have now, if you want to look at uh, the entire uh, cast of all the culprits. You can you can get a hold of the Epic Times or Epoch Times, E-P-O-C-H Times. It's a very good newspaper, and it explains it in more detail than you'll want to read. But it is shocking. It's staggering. And uh, I'm surprised, actually, that there hasn't been more gunfire. And I think we're right on the verge of it. Certainly Antifa and the uh, uh, Black Lives Matter uh, people have uh, began shooting people, and and uh, I think it's only a matter of time before uh, the the guys on the other side, the guys and gals, fired up and begin to shoot those folks, and um, it's just going to get gnarly. And I'm actually kind of ready for it. Uh, so uh, not wishing for it, but uh, not shying away from it. And so some of you may be confused and still be having a pissing contest over masks, and. Uh, Right now in California, for those that are up in the nearby states to us in the West, um, he's shutting down the uh, state again. We'll see how that goes. Uh, there's also a big a major recall movement in the state of California, and I'm going to mention that in just a minute because I like to get it done right here at the beginning. But I, I, I kind of cut myself off. I want to mention uh, just a couple ways for you to connect with me if you wish, and that is uh, – uh, again, the website is nohostagesradio.com. You can reach me at lou, L-O-U, at nohostagesradio.com. That's an email. You can shoot me an email if you ever have something you want to say, or if you just want to text me, you can do that at 530-713-1838, 530-713-1838. If you want to dial me up, you can dial me up. If you get an answering um, uh, you know, service or whatever, if it goes to voicemail, uh, I will call you back. I run a trauma intervention program off that phone as well. So sometimes I'm on the phone. I don't screen calls. I get calls from prison, jail, all over the place. So I don't screen calls. Uh, I don't, you know, I get nasty grams. Don't mind them at all. Uh, I got one today, I think, criticizing me on my understanding of masks, of all things. I, and the reason I say if you're still stuck at masks uh, you're probably just going to end up in in a communist government, and uh, and some of you I notice, in, in fact, people that I thought were patriots uh, have no problem with being taken, you know, just turning over all their rights. And it, it's interesting because I, I was supposed to be in Vietnam in two weeks, and they're not allowing any planes from the United States to come there, so the ticket got canceled. And um, 
But because I've traveled some and I know what it's like in these other countries where they're under communist rule, uh, it, it to see it happen in our country is an eye-opener for me. But for people that have just lived here all their life, they just kind of think, oh, it's, there's no, really nothing going on. And uh, so I happened to attend a church in uh, Yuba City, California, Sutter County, California, called Church of God Tidings, and we refused to close, although other st- all other states pretty much in the, in the state closed. And I've been trying to open, uh, trying, which is not so much working against the government, but working against uh, the inertia to just uh, become a government church, which is what they're doing. They basically, most churches have become a government church. And um, so uh, I may just, I may just read this since I'm talking about this right now. Uh, I may just go ahead and talk about. There's an article that I I thought I typed out here that my friend Dave Bryan wrote and uh, to the churches. Let me see if I can find it because I don't see it on my menu list to, to kind of help me not do what I'm doing right now, which is being confused because I usually have it dialed in. Oh, here we go. Thank God. So let me read this. Uh, my friend Dave Bryan, we worked together for 30 years. And uh, he's a pastor of Glad Tidings, Church of Glad Tidings here in Yuba City. And so we we determined early on we smelled a rat on this thing with the COVID thing. In fact, if you want to uh, go on uh, NoHostagesRadio.com, you'll see an article about uh, the Hong Kong flu in 1969 that I wrote. I may I may get to reading it a little bit later, but it just talks about how uh, this flu has been the, – the Wuhan flu has been used to uh, try to overthrow the government. And the shutting down of this uh, entire nation was not necessary. It was just arbit- – it was an arbitrary decision uh, to make the entire nation a lab instead of experimenting with rats in a lab with the, with the coronavirus. Uh, once we got it in this country, it got transported over here. Uh, instead of just letting people get it or not get it or whatever or take care of themselves or skip a few days from work, get well, get come back, they now have uh, taken control of the whole country just like Vietnam would or China does, and they like it. And these, these government figures like it, and they like the power. Power is just really corrupting, isn't it? Uh, it actually gives them a hard-on. And so uh, that's just the way it is. I'm just telling you the way it is. You don't like it. You can go to some other place to time. Just tell this is the way it is. They get a hard on over over telling you that you can't come out of your house. And uh, so I'm going to read this about I bet I wasn't raised in church. My parents were not. uh, They didn't know anything about Jesus. They didn't understand it. So I got onto it later in life, uh, several years later and as a 20 something and um so uh, I want to read this article uh, or piece, I should say, or op-ed called Turning, Turning Back in the Day of Battle, an open letter to Christian pastors in America in 2020. Dave writes, from the epic confrontation between Eve and the wicked one in the Garden of Eden, two kingdoms have been at war, the eternal kingdom of Jesus Christ, the true king of kings and lord of lords, and the alternative kingdom of Lucifer, the usurper, would-be king 
of this world who rules the realms of darkness, evil, rebellion, and destruction. Not a day of our lives is ever free from the contest between good and evil that rages all around us for control of the souls of men. Tragically, however, many, if not most, of today's spiritual leaders, in quotes, in the Christian church are at best oblivious to the contest. And I'd say a lot of people are oblivious to what's going on in America, to the contest, and worse yet, many are significantly empowering the darkness by their ignorance, apathy, fear, and resignation. These miserable character defects in the would-be Christian shepherds, in quotes, enable the powers of darkness to manipulate both people and life circumstances to their nefarious advantage. Leaders who genuinely trust God will be clarion voices of truth and courage in times of trouble. But as is stated so clearly in the scripture, if the trumpeter doesn't sound a clear call, how will the soldiers know they are being called to battle? These are unprecedented times in American history when all that we hold dear is being threatened. A state-controlled church is allowing ungodly and unprincipled politicians to tell their churches if and when they they may assemble now, what they can and can't do, when they can meet, how many people can attend, and what people should wear if they come. While Christian pastors should recoil from the very thought of allowing godless tyrants to dictate such things to the people of God, few even question these overbearing and heavy-handed control measures, choosing instead to simply go along to get along. In most cases, By their own actions, or lack thereof, these timid and passive leaders, quote-unquote, are furnishing a hearty amen to the governor's demeaning assessment that placed houses of worship on the list of non-essential activities. Jesus himself said to the disciples, you were the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will pause, excuse me, praise your father in heaven. Clearly, American society has viewed the Christian church in the USA as good for nothing except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. In other words, it's deemed non-essential or unnecessary to American life. How sad that few pastors even had the courage to question the state's categorization of the church as less important than head shops, liquor stores, and beauty parlors. How tragic that more people protested the banning of sport fishing than gathering together of the family of God. How telling that so few pastors had the fortitude to defend the separation of church and state that the government had had harped on for many long decades, but now strangely has reneged in preference to the state controlling the church completely. <coughs> as Americans, <coughs> we are as we are an arrogant and foolish lot. We look in disdain at the Christian church in Germany that welcomed in the whores of Adolf Hitler's demonic Third Reich, yet we ourselves allow the same moral acquiescence that caused the Germans to lose their own souls. We seem to have learned nothing from the soul-wrenching failures of sleeping watchmen like Pastor Martin Niemöller, 
who was eventually sent to a German concentration camp by the same Nazi party that he so enthusiastically welcomed into power a few years earlier. His tragic memoirs reflect the deep shame of a derelict spiritual watchman who neglected his duties and carried the deep shame and regret of having done nothing to stand for truth and righteousness while he had a chance. Niemöller's testimony, now a sober warning to us all, is this. Quote, first they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. And so, American pastors, we today are each facing our Niemöller moment. Will we be silent and watch the time-honored values of the Judeo-Christian America be destroyed by militant soldiers of the kingdom of darkness? Or will we, as good soldiers of Jesus Christ, 2 Timothy 2 and verse 3, courageously fight the good fight of faith, 1 Timothy 6 and 12, and stand strong in the day of evil, Ephesians 6, 13 and 14. As evangelist Billy Sunday once said, you can choose to do anything you want, but remember, it'll be payday someday. Has America's payday come? Sleeping watchmen and cowardly shepherds are everywhere evident today in America, but I ask you, where are the woke watchmen, the true shepherds? the valiant war- warriors who will not turn back from the battle now raging for the heart of the s- and soul of America. I'm going to read you a passage from Psalm 78, verses 9 through 12, and then 21 and 22. It says here, the, the warriors of Ephraim, though armed with bows, turned their backs and fled on the day of battle. They did not keep God's covenant and refused to live by his instructions. They forgot that God had, what God had done for them, <clears throat> the great wonders he had shown them, and the miracles he did for their ancestors. When the Lord heard them, he was furious. The fire of his wrath burned against Jacob. Yes, his anger rose against Israel, for they did not believe God or trust to care for them. He concludes by saying, Christian leader, we each have a chance to, to make. We, sorry, we each have a choice to make. May we, for the sake of Christ and his church, make it wisely. It's said in the Bible that there was a group of men, the people of Issachar. And it said the unique thing about this tribe of people is that the, they knew the times that they lived in. They recognized the times. And they knew what to do. It did not say that about the rest of the people of Israel. It said it about this particular group of people. For some reason, they saw things clearly. <clears throat> and they smelled a rat. They could discern a rat. And they could they could stand up. When, you know, a lot of times people see what's wrong, but they don't have any courage to stand. Other times people have courage to stand, and they can't figure out what to do or what's wrong. But the people of Issachar, the men of Issachar, said they knew the times that they were living in and what Israel should do. Today, I am just fascinating. I'm fascinated. I'm not angry. I'm fascinated by how many of the people that I've known for many, many years are just simply not players. They're just totally checked out. I'm going to take a break for just a second, and and then we'll be right back, and I'm going to... uh, Oh, I got some fun stuff today. We'll do some good stuff. So thanks for listening. We'll be right back. 
Black Lives Matter is a lie. There is no genocide of young, innocent black men. In 2019, there were only 10 cases in which unarmed African Americans were fatally shot by the police. In 5 out of 10 cases, an officer was attacked just before the shooting. And in 2 of the remaining 4, the officer was criminally charged. Where is the injustice? Also in 2019, there were 25 unarmed white Americans who were fatally shot by the police. According to FBI statistics, even though African Americans make up only 13% of the population, they commit over 50% of all murder in America. Blacks kill 10 times the amount of whites as whites kill blacks. And a police officer is 18 and a half times more likely to be killed by a black male than an unarmed black male is to be killed by a police officer. Black Lives Matter has been a lie since its very beginning. In 2013, the movement began on social media after the acquittal of George Zimmerman in the shooting death of Trayvon Martin. But the case against Zimmerman was a lie. The prosecution had used an imposter as a fake witness, who they claimed wrote the only piece of criminal evidence they had, a letter that the fake witness admitted under oath to not writing. Founded by known communists and fueled with millions of dollars from George Soros, Black Lives Matter organized riots in Ferguson, Baltimore, and Chicago and began recruiting an army of haters hiding beneath the guise of social justice. The entire foundation of Black Lives Matter is an obvious lie, and yet the lie sells. It sells because communities have been broken by government programs such as LBJ's War on Poverty that incentivized single motherhood and got young people hooked on welfare handouts. It sells because people worship their favorite celebrities like false idols and believe the media is a source of undisputed truth. It sells because people are afraid of being called a racist, even when they know it's a lie. And it sells because many prefer their own rage over seeking the truth. Following the COVID-19 shutdown, perhaps the most traumatizing time for any American alive, Black Lives Matter joined forces with Antifa and used a senseless murder as an excuse to wage war upon the American people, dragging innocent people from their cars, burning homes to the ground, looting everything in sight, and demanding that white people bow before them and kiss their feet. They are subjugating white people, parading them around in chains and demanding the dissolution of the police department. What do you suppose is coming next? Black Lives Matter is a dangerous cancer that is poisoning our already damaged society. The mainstream media, our elected officials, world leaders, and practically every multinational corporation are all on board with BLM. 
But the real problem is that we allow the lie to exist when all we have to do is be brave, tell the truth, and seek justice. In the end, we will get exactly what we deserve. For InfoWars.com, this is Greg Reese. Any minority that has a block of votes that stick together is in a strategic position. Either way you go, that's who gets it. You're, you're in a position to determine who go to the White House and who stay in the doghouse. You're the one who has that power. You can keep Johnson in Washington, D.C., or you can send him back to his Texas cotton patch. You're the one who sent Kennedy to Washington. You're the one who put the present Democratic administration in Washington, D.C. The whites were evenly divided. It was the fact that you threw 80% of your votes behind the Democrats that put the Democrats in the White House. The, when you see this, you can see that the Negro vote is the key factor. And despite the fact that you are in a position to, to be the determining factor, what do you get out of it? The Democrats have been in Washington, D.C. only because of the Negro vote. They've been down there four years. And all other legislation they wanted to bring up, they brought it up and gotten it out of the way, and now they bring up you. And now they bring up you. You put them first, and they put you last. Because you're a chump. A political chump. In Washington, D.C., in the House of Representatives, there are 257 who are Democrats. Only 177 are Republicans. In the Senate, there are 67 uh, Democrats. Only 33 are Republicans. The party that you bass controls two-thirds of the House of Representatives and the Senate, and still they can't keep their promise to you, because you're a chump. Anytime you throw your weight behind a political party that controls two-thirds of the government and that party can't keep the promise that it made to you during election time and you are dumb enough to walk around continuing to identify yourself with that party, you're not only a chump, but you're a traitor to your race. kind of alibi do they come up with? They try and pass the buck to the Dixiecrats. Now back during the days when you were blind, deaf, and dumb, ignorant, politically immature, naturally you went along with that. But today as your eyes come open and you develop political maturity, you're able to see and think for yourself. And you can see that a Dixiecrat is nothing but a Democrat in disguise. So who is Donald Trump? They say, is Donald Trump really a racist? No, I can't say that he is. I ain't never heard of him being racist prior to running, the pre running for president. That's just me, though. I mean, because any two ways you look at it, the man won his presidency without the black vote. What he needed for? 
What he need us for? Tell me what he need me for. He don't need me. But for some reason, he always get up on that stage talking about how low black unemployment is. He don't need to do that. He just do it. Because he legitimately cares. You never heard Obama get on stage talking about black unemployment. He couldn't. Because under his first two years with a Democratic Congress, it doubled. Black unemployment under Barack Obama doubled. How many of y'all know that? It doubled. It literally doubled. It went from 8% to 16%. How you get around that no media say nothing about that? But Donald Trump getting it to the lowest it's ever been recorded. Like I said, he don't need us. He does not need the black vote. The black vote didn't put him in office. The black vote ain't going to take him out of office. But the fact that he gets up there on them stages every chance he get and tells us how we are doing because we, I ain't going to say that. We too crazy to realize it ourselves. You know what I'm saying? He ain't got to do that. He ain't, he ain't got to get up there when he was running for president. He didn't have to get out there talking about, um, what do you have to lose? Vote for me. He didn't have to do that. But he did. And we grateful that he did. You know, it's some smart folks out there that happen to be darker skin like me. Mm-hmm. You just got to find them. See, a lot of them scared to say something because they scared somebody going to say something back to me. I'm a step. What's up? You got something said about Donald Trump? What? I ain't got no MAGA hat. My damn head too damn big to be trying to wear a MAGA hat. So I can't wear no MAGA hat I know where. But I got a MAGA sweater in there that I wear. I wore it to work. Nobody said nothing. I didn't say it at the first, but I'll say it now. If you're new to, to the show, uh, we do six 20-minute segments where I'm talking along here. But in between, <clears throat> I have five to eight minutes probably of clips that I like to play that, where I run into things throughout the week that I think, oh, this is very good, and it's actually smarter than me. So uh, I like to play them, and it's educational. So that's what you just heard the beginning of. I want to mention now, uh, we really need, we're working on recalling the governor, Gavin Newman. And if you think, oh, it's going to be expensive. Listen, when you have a governor that just makes a unilateral decision without any input from, <coughs> from the legislature to go out and buy a billion dollars with a mask from China, when he could have spent about a third of that for the same amount of masks, buying them from 3M National here in the United States, uh, we're spending a lot of money for foolishness, and uh, there's there's probably as much money, be, probably one out of every two dollars is being wasted by government, if not more. So uh, if you can't find something wrong with this governor, uh, then obviously uh, you're happy. You're happy, and you're probably going to stick around. Uh, my recommendation is for a lot of people is it, if they're at a particular time in life, they have young kids, young school kids, it's probably a chance for you to move. I just saw where the uh, – I was watching the governor of South Dakota, Christy Rome, R-O-E-M, and I just love that gal. And she was saying they're getting daily calls from all over the United States, people wanting to move their businesses over there. They have the lowest tax, 
tax rate and the lowest number of regulations of any state in the union. Uh, that's where Mount Rushmore is, by the way. And um, so she is a state that did not close. Uh, and she just trusted the, the population like we used to do in the United States. Did you know in the United States we've never closed the country because of an illness? Did you know that, that 2020 was not the first year that people got a cold or got the flu? And did you know that over over the <clears throat> centuries uh, that we've been in business here in the United States, people got sick and survived recovered sick and recovered sick and recovered sick and recovered and sick and died and we there are there are uh, cemeteries in the united states now where people uh sick and recovered sick and recovered sick and recovered and sick and died they that's where they are residing their bones and uh we we uh were big boys and big girls about it and we just uh when we we trusted people to if they were ill they would take care of themselves and go home and not infect everybody, and they go to the doctor. And they, you know, we all have an interest in ourselves, right? To to do well, be well, and uh, but now uh, what what you're seeing is that they're going to treat every single illness in the United States, and they're going to manage it. So they're going to check everybody and tell you when you can go, where you can go, just like they do in Vietnam. You can't leave your house, even if you don't have an illness. They'll just tell you to stay home. You can't leave the village. It doesn't matter. They just get a bug up their nose. And uh, so now, now we've welcomed this, right? We want you to wear a mask. We want you to not be standing next to each other. We, you got, you can't, you're standing too close to each other. You're managing every aspect of your life. You got to wait to go into the bank. You got to wait to to only fifty people can go in at a time. You can't go in and sit down at a restaurant. That's communism, folks. Now you may think, oh, you're saving somebody's life. Well, you're just full of crap. And uh, what you're what you're embracing wholeheartedly is communism. This is what if you like it. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, you know, it's a free world. You can go a lot of places in the world and and live on a communist government. But it sounds like you're going to be a participant in making this one communist. So we're recalling Gavin Newsom. Uh, it's pretty easy to, to sign up. You can go to this is a website recall. R-E-C-A-L-L Gavin, G-A-V-I-N 2020, Recall Gavin 2020, that's one word, dot com. If you go there, you can uh, print off a petition and you can sign it. <clears throat> and you, there's either petitions with five signature spots or ten. You can do either. You could get your relatives to sign or your friends to sign, and then you can mail it in yourself. Simple as that. Just follow the instructions. You have to be registered to vote. If you're not registered, you can get registered in in your county by going to the county clerk's office. Very simple. If you're in Yuba Sutter counties, you can sign a petition at Church of Glad Tidings, and you can register to vote at Church of Glad Tidings, Highway 99, Eager Road. Uh, or you can go to, if you're in Yuba County, you can go out to Monty Hecker's Elite Universal Security, and you can go there, and, and they will sign you up. However you want to sign up, sign the document or the recall, or you could sign uh, register to vote. 5548 Feather River Boulevard in uh, just south of Marysville. Uh, so that's a business, Elite Universal Security. Okay? So now listen, you got to do more than just sign. Some of you, it's going to be a big plenty because you're not used to doing anything. You just sit on your fat rear, and you just think that freedom is going to be 
is always going to be there for you. I'm, I'm guaranteeing you. I used to say, you know, you ought to. You ought to do this or you should. I'm not going to should on you. I'm just going to tell you this. You got a big surprise coming right quick. And unless you you better, I, if you're a gun owner and your guns are dusty, I would clean your guns and I would get you some ammo and I would put some in the, I would get some ammo in there, maybe not loaded into the barrel, but I would be ready because uh, all hell's going to break loose. I'm just telling you what's happening. And uh, the fact is uh, you're going to have to stand up for your rights. Our forefathers stood up for their rights and just a big bunch of them got their butts kicked and lost everything they had. But today you're sitting in your house because of them. And you don't have Nazi Germany over here because of them. You don't have uh, a dictatorship from Japan over here because of them. So but the founding fathers fought for rights that you think you're going to get for free. You're not going to get for free. I don't care whether you're a heroin addict, you're a tweaker, you're a prostitute, you're a transvestite. You're going to get your butt kicked all right up around your ears really quick. And unless you want to, unless you're going to go communist. Now, a lot of my friends that are in churches around town have just totally surrendered. I've been working with the underground church, the unregistered church, the church that's persecuted in China, Vietnam and Laos for 30 years. And it has been an eye opener to see my friends surrender to the government and basically turn over their churches to the government to tell them what to do. But that's what's going on, and it's happening pretty quick, and a lot of you are asleep. And so you can read about it in Ephesians. It said, you better wake up. It says, awake sleeper. It's not talking about somebody that's sleeping, that's dead. Like sometimes they'll say dead people are sleeping. This is an alive person that that their eyes are open, but there's nothing going on behind their eyes. They're just clueless. I, I just think you. it's time to get a clue. So if you either choose to or not, but all hell's going to break loose. I'm going to be on the side of those that are going to raise some hell. You with me? And I, I am, I'm going to, I'm going to throw down on this deal and I am not going to let this country, uh, get its rear kicked up around its ears after my father and my uncle fought for four years in world war two. I, and my friends fought in Vietnam, stopping communism. So don't care really what your <clears throat> attitude is about these various conflicts, but that's the way it is. So recall, you can sign the recall. Now, listen, here's here's what we're doing at Glad Tidings. I talked to the uh, Dave Bryan out there, and I said, listen, we can't just ask people to sign. we got to get people to multiply their effectiveness. So if everybody takes a petition or like we hooked up combinations of five times five signatures on five pieces of paper, five times five is 25, sign it and get 24 of your friends. Everybody's got that many acquaintances, friends, even if people don't like you and they hate Gavin Newsom, they'll sign the thing. You need to take some responsibility to take this governor out. You think, oh, well, that's not going to do any good. Let me tell you something. The war to throw out England started with a gunshot, one gunshot, right? And, and a bunch of people on our side got killed. We lost the first skirmish. I don't know if you paid any attention to that. And all of them were church members, by the way. So uh, you start somewhere, and uh, we just need to we need to throw down. And uh, California, how 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 California goes, the way the country is going to go. And so we need to recall this governor. And so I'm asking you to uh, do something. Just don't sit on your butt. Okay. 
So recallgavin2020.com. Okay? So if you go on that website, if you scan down or scroll down, you're going to see different counties, and then you'll have county Facebook sites. Go to your county and then go to that Facebook site if you're on Facebook and and like that Facebook page and begin to communicate on that Facebook page. And that's the way this whole recall campaign is connected. It's not connected by <coughs> bureaucracy. It's connected by social media. So we need you to do something and get involved. Now, listen, if you can set up a table in front of like a Sam's Club, a Walmart or something, something, whatever's big in your area, maybe you're up in the boondocks, a general store, a church. We we have it right in the back of Church of Glad Tidings. We're signing up. We're having the 4th of July celebration this Saturday. We're signing up people there. So sign up people. Sign, 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 sign. Don't count on somebody else to pull it off, please. Don't do that. All right? So, uh, <clears throat> all right, that's enough on that. Now, Chris Ann Hall, and I want you to note this. Chris, this is a website, chrisannhall.com. It's K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E, Hall, H-A-L-L, one word, Chris Ann Hall, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E, Hall.com. She is, if you can get on Facebook with her, she's putting out a broadcast every single day. It's about 20 or 30 minutes on what's going on right now. You want to get it clear from a, not just an attorney, not just a prosecutor for the state of Florida in the past, but a constitutional specialist that will take any professor on and break their nose. Uh, you need to listen to this woman. She'll be, sh- she'll be sharing with you what is screwy about everything that's going on, from mass to social distancing to telling you you can't leave your house. It's totally against the law to do that. So anyway, she wrote this, put this together. I'm going to read it to you because so many people in the United States, they're going to have a barbecue tomorrow or Saturday, and they're going to celebrate the 4th of July, but they have no idea what they're celebrating. Isn't that sad? That just reflects that the socialists that took over our school system over 100 years ago did a great job at, at totally taking over and undermining the founding documents and why we're here. People will be asked on the street. I have all kinds of these clips. I just don't play them a lot. And they'll ask people on the street, do you know what the 4th of July stands for? And you know when the country started or whatever, whatever. People are just, they're lost in space. So it says, happy Independence Day, July 2nd, 1776. Do you see anything odd about that? July 2nd, 1776. She says the second day of July, 1776, will be the most. This is what uh, the founding fathers wrote. It says they said the second day of July, 1776, will be the most memorable epoca, epoch with an A on the end, in the history of America. I am apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival in America. So if you wonder... Like around my neighborhood in downtown Marysville, there's been gunshots going off and firecrackers and M80s and just all kinds of fireworks, firecrackers, bombs. It's been like blasting for a week. And some people are like, hey, knock it off. Can't you like wait till the right day? You know, people all get all perturbed. And I think, hey, let's celebrate. Let's kick some rear. Let's take more than a day. 
right? So right in the beginning, after they did the Declaration of Independence, they stated, they said, I, we, we, we wonder, we think, we project that this day might be celebrated as a great anniversary festival in the, in the future. And he went on to say, it ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by a solemn act of devotion to God Almighty. It ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade and shows and games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, and illuminations from one end of the continent to the other. From this time forward, forevermore. You know who said that? That was in a letter. You can probably look these up. John Adams had a fiery romance with a woman named Abigail Adams, his wife, and they used to write a lot, even when he was in Europe. And he would share with her things like I just read to you was in a letter from John to Abigail Adams on July 3rd. Because they had done this Declaration of Independence on July 2nd. Now you think, well, how in the world, what happened? How come July 4th is today, right? So uh, it says here, I'm just going to read, give you a little bit of history since the school system hides it. Um, It says here, Independence Day for our fathers was not July 4th. (coughs) It was July 2nd. The Continental Congress ratified into law the Lee Resolution, L-E-E Resolution, that made our independence from Great Britain a matter of legal fact. I'm reading what the document says, that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiances to the British crown and that all political connection between them and the states of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved. Twelve colonial delegations. I know right now, you're for some of you that know history, you're thinking, twelve, what, what happened? Twelve colonial delegations voted in favor of it, with New York delegates abstaining, unsure of how their constituents would wish them to vote, this making the Lee Resolution law. So 12 out of 13 did it. Our separation from the government of Great Britain was not the product of a few old white slave owners who wanted to consolidate power to themselves. It was a legally binding act created by the people through their representatives in Congress to ensure that we would live, we could live in a land where we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and endowed by the by their creator with certain inalienable rights. That means those rights are not to be tampered with by government, or you could shoot the government. That's why we have the second, uh, second amendment. It goes on to say our legal independence was the only way to end not only the tyranny of government overreach, but also the laws that forced slavery in the colonies by great Britain. I'm going to say that again. You might wonder, where did slavery come from? Did we think it up over here? Slavery was forced upon the colonies by Great Britain. And she referred, in fact, I may, if I have time and I have a voice left, I'll read this. 
She said, you can read the history of slavery. Um, I have a document that reads the history about the slavery, the slavery history, which was a a European situation that was forced on the Americas. Like a lot of things were forced on the Americas because we were a colony. Remember, we called them colonies. We were a colony of Great Britain. On July 3rd, John Adams wrote to his wife, Abigail, the following words. And uh, so I think I shared basically that. I won't repeat it. Okay. So you can look at chrisannhall.com or you can go to Liberty First University. That's her uh, online training of the, uh, and you'll learn more than constitution. You're going to learn the whole history. Where did all those thoughts come from about the constitution that made it into the constitution? They had to be in those people's brains. If you've ever wondered, I've, I've wondered this many times, but I've now settled it. I said, it seems to me that the people that are running the country nowadays aren't very smart compared to the people that founded the country. And then I realized the reason they aren't so smart is they were raised in a socialist school system. And the people that founded this country had been here since the 1600s or family members, and they were home educated. They did not have state run. They had, they, they founded some colleges back there, back East, but they didn't have a government public school institution. And there was nothing in the constitution that ever said to do that. That's just something that is extra constitutional. Okay. So uh, I'll, if I have time, I'll read you a little bit about the history of slavery, which should shock you. Uh, let me just share this with you. <clears throat> uh, let's see. I don't know. I have enough time. I only have 17 seconds. So, uh, all right. So this is the end of our our second segment. And uh, as you can hear, I got kind of a froggy throat. I'm at the end of a summer cold, as they call it, back in the old days. That's what they called it. But, you know, uh, I'm okay with it, right? So I'm having a good time here tonight. All right, we'll be right One of the most significant events of this century happened in early afternoon of August 9, 2014. It took place in Ferguson, Missouri, a city on the outskirts of St. Louis. So embedded in the popular mind is this event that if you just say the name Ferguson, everyone knows what you're talking about, police brutality and racial injustice. President Barack Obama referred to it in a speech before the United Nations in September 2014. I know the world also took notice of the small American city of Ferguson, Missouri, where a young man was killed and a community was divided. So yes, we have our own racial and ethnic tensions. The president understated the case. The shooting in Ferguson led to nights of riots and gave fuel to a new social movement, Black Lives Matter. Given its historical importance, it would be useful then to make sure we have our facts straight. So, here's a quiz to test your knowledge. First question, true or false? A young unarmed Black man, Michael Brown, 19, was killed by a white police officer, Darren Wilson. The answer is true. True or false? Wilson stopped Brown for no good reason. 
false. Wilson, driving a police SUV, had just received a call on his radio that a local convenience store had been robbed. He saw two men walking in the middle of the nearby street who met the description of the store thieves. Wilson drove up to them. When he asked the two men to move to the sidewalk, one of the men, Michael Brown, refused. Officer Wilson then attempted to get out of his car, but Brown blocked the door, punching the officer through the open window. As Brown tried to grab Wilson's gun, a struggle ensued. Wilson managed to fire his gun, wounding Brown in the hand. True or false? Michael Brown's back was turned to Officer Wilson when he was shot and killed. False. After being shot in the hand, Brown ran away from the police car. Wilson got out of the vehicle and pursued him. Brown then suddenly turned and charged Officer Wilson. Here's how one witness whose testimony closely fits the forensic evidence described the scene. Brown ran towards the officer full charge. The officer fired several shots at him, and Mike Brown continuously came forward in the charging motion. And when he stopped, that's when the officer ceased fire. When he charged once more, the officer returned fire with, I would say, three to four shots. And that's when Mike Brown finally collapsed. The Brown family's own medical expert, respected pathologist Dr. Michael Baden, also conceded this point. The wounds Brown suffered were consistent with Brown charging toward Wilson, not running away. True or false? Before Michael Brown was shot and killed, he raised his hands above his head and shouted, Hands up! Don't shoot! False. Federal investigators from the Department of Justice found no credible evidence that Brown ever raised his hands in a don't-shoot gesture or in any way heeded the officer's commands for him to surrender. The federal report concluded that witnesses who originally stated Brown had his hands up in surrender recanted their original accounts, admitting that they did not witness the shooting or parts of it. Investigators also concluded Brown never uttered the now iconic phrase. Again from the report, the media has widely reported that there is witness testimony that Brown said don't shoot as he held his hands above his head. In fact, our investigation did not reveal any eyewitness who stated that Brown said don't shoot. Where did this phrase come from then? The best guess is that it was made up by Brown's companion, Dorian Johnson, immediately after the shooting. Witnesses described him saying, the police shot my friend and his hands were up. And like a game of telephone, the phrase spread quickly throughout the neighborhood, morphing into hands up, don't shoot. Picked up and amplified by the media, it then became an anthem for activists. True or false? A local grand jury investigation and a federal investigation both concluded that Officer Wilson was justified in his use of force. True. The local grand jury and the federal investigation supervised by Attorney General Eric Holder reached the same conclusion. Officer Wilson did nothing wrong. There was no basis on which to prosecute him. Here's how Heather McDonald of the Manhattan Institute put it in her book, The War on Cops. It was not a question of evidence not supporting high-threshold civil rights charges. It was a question of evidence eviscerating virtually every aspect of the pro-Brown, anti-Wilson narrative. There's another way to put this. 
the statement that an innocent black man was killed by a racist cop in Ferguson, Missouri, is a lie. Those who say otherwise are either willfully deceiving you for their own purposes or are wholly ignorant of the facts. Now you know. Act accordingly. I'm Larry Elder for Prager University. Grocery shopping, <clears throat> I do sometimes. People sometimes see me in a grocery store and they can't believe it because they don't think, I don't think they think I eat or grocery shop. They think, Lou, I've never seen you in a grocery store. It's like they think it's a, it's like a Tyrannosaurus showing back up on the earth again. Anyway, I have this experience when I drive into a parking lot at a grocery store and I see all these shopping carts, right? You, you use a shopping cart, you roll around the store, you put stuff in it, you come out, you put it in your car, the, the groceries, and then what do you do with the cart, right? So in, in a lot of uh, places, they have these kind of little corral things where you shove the carts in and leave them for the kid to come out to grab them all, take them all back up right in front of the store where they can get them, where the next person can use it. If, you, if you're just a a good person, you put it in a little corral. If you're an unusual person, you would walk it all the way back up because you're probably fat and need the exercise. You walk it all the way back up to the front of the store and tuck it right back in where you got it, right? So then, then they don't have to charge it, pay a kid to go do that, right? You can just go take care of it yourself. So the the real the slackers just they'll just roll the cart somewhere else and it'll be sitting in a place where a car is going to park. And then when they try to park in there, it's blocking. So I thought, this guy wrote this cool thing. Let me read it to you. I, that meant a lot to me. He says, the shopping cart is the ultimate litmus test for whether a person is capable of self-governing. I want you to think about this. Because our founding fathers, since it's the day of independence, we're going to celebrate it. They said, if people are incapable of self-governing, if they're and what's that mean? That that does not that, that, that's not voting. That's I want you to look at yourself in the mirror. That's governing yourself. If you can't manage yourself and every little thing that comes up, you got to call the cops, call nine one one. You can't like solve a issue with your neighbor. You can't. <clears throat> you get out. You get angry about something. You can't deal with that yourself. Get that under control. That's called self governing. The founding fathers felt that if the people of America were not a virtuous people, and it, what that what that meant is that they were living their lives according to the scriptures, not going to church. They believed part of it was going to church, but it, but just going to a meeting doesn't change anything. Just like I can go to McDonald's, and that doesn't that doesn't make me a hamburger. You got to you got to do something there, and they felt that. People needed to follow the scriptures to be a virtuous person, that virtuous people will make right decisions and will keep themselves in check because there's not enough military in the world to manage, even in communist countries. So this guy says the shopping cart is the ultimate litmus test for whether a person is capable of self-governing. Well, that got my attention because it's Independence Day, and, the, and our founding fathers said, we're giving you a republic, not a democracy where the majority rules. 
we're giving you a republic that's going to be governed ultimately by the Constitution of the United States. So it isn't just who, however many votes you can get. It's like that Constitution's got to be followed. That's what they felt. But no one's going to follow that that's not virtuous. And so people got to be able to self-govern. So he goes on to say, to return the shopping cart is an easy, convenient task and one which we all recognize is a correct, appropriate thing to do. To return the shopping cart is objectively right. There are no situations other than dire emergencies in which a person is not able to return the cart. Now, I'll just say this. I'm, he didn't say this. I am. Some people steal the cart, and they just take it, and they, they use it as a uh, a truck, and they haul their stuff around in it. Other people take it home, put their groceries. They don't have a car, so they run the cart all the way home, the grocery cart, put their groceries in the in the house, and then they just push the cart out the front door and leave it out on the street. Happens right on my block here. So he says, only in a dire emergency in which a person is not able to return their cart to the appropriate place. Simultaneously, it is not illegal to abandon your shopping cart, like out in the middle of the deal or shoving in it, shove it. You ever seen it when they shove it in the landscaping? Unbelievable. Therefore, the shopping cart presents itself as the apex example of whether a person will do what is right without being forced to do it. Now, that's the key, isn't it? We say in church, God's always watching. So, the you know, how spiritual are you? You know, your spirituality is tested by when other people aren't looking, right? It's kind of like how good a worker you are it depends on how good a worker you are when the boss isn't around, right? So my dad, a lot of us were taught how to do things, even though they weren't church people, how to do things. Like my dad taught me how to work, how to be an honorable person. And that's what they're talking about here. And and the founding fathers, they called that the Protestant work ethic, being honorable. Back before they had contracts, where they had contracts, but not everybody would use them. They'd just say, your word is your bond. Remember that? Your word is your bond. So it says uh, where you do what is right without being forced to do it. You stop at the stop sign no matter whether there's any car there or not. You just stop because we all agreed to do that. No one will punish you for not returning the shopping cart. No one will fine you or kill you for not returning the shopping cart. You gain nothing by returning the shopping cart. You must return the shopping cart out of the goodness of your own heart. You must return the shopping cart because it is the right thing to do, because it is correct. A person who is unable to do this is no better than an animal, an absolute savage, who can only be made to do what is right by threatening them with a law and the fence that stands behind it and the force that stands behind it. The only thing that they can... Made, they're made to do what is right by threatening them with a law and the force that stands behind it. The shopping cart is what determines whether a person is a good or bad member of society. Now, I want to just you to think about that. Now, I've, the way I've always phrased this when I used to teach at Juvenile Hall before COVID ran us away, occasionally, and I would also say it in jail before COVID ran us away, I would say there's two people in society, two groups. There's the givers and the takers. The, the fathers 
of the Constitution, the founders of America, which weren't just men, they were also women, but the signers of the Constitution were men. They believed that we needed a nation of givers, not takers. They believed that we needed people that would put their shopping cart back in the right spot. They would go beyond the call of duty. They'd even put other shopping carts, pick up the other shopping carts. In front of my house, I live around the corner from Taco Bell. Actually, I share a fence with Taco Bell. And uh, people, I have a big tree in front of my house. It's a nice shade tree. And so people that don't want to go into Taco Bell, they just try to do the drive through but they want to eat and they don't want to get sauce on their pants. So they drive around the corner and park in front of my house. And they eat there. I watch them sometimes. I just note, note that they're there. And then I'll go out front and, and just, I'm stir crazy. I work in my office here in the house, so i got to get up and walk around. And I'll, I'll notice that they lev, left me, they didn't leave me any food, but they left me the wrappers. They ate the burrito, left the burrito wrapper out on the pavement. So every society is full of givers and takers. When there's more takers and givers, we're in trouble. That's why they say when when you get to the point where there's more people that are benefiting by government financially, working for government, they are getting some kind of check from the government, then those working for, then those working to pay taxes, uh, your your society will collapse because you have too many people that can vote themselves a check, right? Which is what's going on. All right, so you can remember the next time you go to the grocery store. I hope you remember that story and. Uh, Put those shopping carts in the back. Just do your part. So all throughout society, you know, I, I run around with a lot of people, not just church people, but a lot of people uh, that are givers. Like I got a, a trauma intervention program that's full of givers, right? They've been down. I We had a couple of guys drown in the Feather River, and one of them we, they found right away. The other <clears throat> they can't find, and it's been three days. And uh but we have some – I have my friends down there that work with me in trauma intervention, and they've been down there all day for three days uh, bringing water and food and being with people that are horrified. Uh, it's hard work. It's very hard work. It's hot, but it's also emotionally uh, grinding. And they are givers, and they're making a difference in our Yuba Sutter area. And those are the type of people I'm talking about. We have people that uh, uh, pick up garbage uh, not just you, but Sutter, disposal or recology. People go out and pick up stuff that, that uh, people that are takers that dump along. They, they don't want to go to the dump, so they just dump stuff in an orchard where nobody will catch them. There's no cameras out there, so they'll just dump stuff and be irresponsible. So they go and clean up the county. People clean up. Glad Tidings, we pick up about two miles of uh, uh, Highway 99 and just pick up all the trash that people going down. Instead of keeping trash in your car, they throw it out the window. And that's something just unbelievable. My family, I wasn't raised that way. And so the kind of country we have, I always ask the kids in juvenile hall and in people in jail. I said, if the, if the, if the city that you're living in is as, if you're, if the measurement of kindness is, is it's as kind as you are, as honest as you are, as loving as you are, as pure as you are, as peaceful as you are, what kind of community would we have if everything was just like, oh, just like Johnny or Susie? And so you can set your own, uh, you can set the bar however high you want it, right? And uh, 
you can make a difference, right? I saw this uh, come through on Internet, and um, I found it so fascinating. It wasn't too long ago. You know, if you really uh, can journal things, I don't journal, but I I can hold things fairly well in my mind. Uh, But if you journal things about what's going on in our country, you'll see some odd things going on. I'll give you one odd thing. It was about a couple of years ago where the Democrats, liberals, were just howling about we wanted to, uh, you know, remove the Second Amendment and that we don't need guns. You don't have a need for a gun because you have police and police are amazing. The liberals are saying that police. We got police. We got law enforcement. So you have no need for a gun. And people are saying, well, yeah, we do. And we, we go hunting. But. You know, the fact is the Second Amendment had never had anything to do <clears throat> with hunting. It had to do with uh, taking back the government by violence, right? Now, I want you to hold that thought, that the Democrats, and they're right now they're passing laws in, the, I believe, the state of uh, California. They're trying to pass more laws to remove guns from the population. But now, in the last few weeks with Black Lives Matters and Antifa, which is funded by the Soros group, you know, George Soros, and also his brother Paul, who died a few years ago. And if you'll notice, uh, some of you may not know this, but our doctor, who is the health doctor, who is really making some bad decisions for Yuba Sutter counties, um, she got funded to go to college by the Soros Foundation. That should cause you pause. Because these people want to overthrow the government, and they want a communist government here. They want a one-world government here. So a few years ago, they were saying, well, and today, they want to take away guns. But now, what are they saying on the streets? What are some of the liberal mayors saying? We want to defund the police. They're saying it. They're, they just took, what, $150 million? Was it $150 million or 250 out of the police budget in Los Angeles. That is going to have an impact. Defund the police after you told us to rely on the police and give up your guns. Isn't that interesting? I would say we need both because the police can't get here. I can fire a shot right through my front door in just a millisecond if I need to. In fact, I'm thinking about getting a little sign and saying, this door is locked to protect you, not me. (laughs) Because you come to that door, partner, you're probably not going to survive it. And particularly if if you're causing a big old stir with Black Lives Matter sign and Antifa, I am not one of these guys going to be all nudging up against Black Lives Matter people like, I love you and all that stuff. I'm going to shoot you. You come into my neighborhood and cause a, a stir. And so now they're saying we need to defund the police and take your guns. I want you to think about that. It just struck me interesting. I just think, find these things fascinating. And unless, unless you're holding on to these battles that just you think, where are all these battles coming through? Is it just sort of serendipitous or coincidental? It is not. It is is a, a planned agenda, folks. And if you can't get that, I'm sorry you can't get there. It is not a conspiracy theory when stuff's happening right before your eyes. 
a thief stealing all your money and your guns is not a conspiracy theory when they're walking out the door and they got you tied up. That's not a conspiracy theory. That then did just happened. If you wonder why an old man who simply, you know, I, you know, we're all going to get old and we're all going to maybe lose our, you know, I'm hoping I just drop dead and I, and my mind has not gone. But sometimes people's heart and their body's working okay, but their mind goes. And I feel bad for Joe Biden. I don't like Joe Biden as a person. And I, I think he's a liar and he's a dishonest person. I think he's an evil man. He's a sinner man, like I am. But he, he needs converted. But when you see a guy that can't string his words together, and the Democrats are putting him in for president, you know something screwy is going on, right? If that doesn't sound screwy, if you don't see something odd in that, honestly, you need, you need to go see a doctor or something. Your brain is not working right. I want to read you just a, a paragraph that was taken from a speech he gave. But it was like it was written down. The words, because the words don't make any sense when you link them together. This is Joe Biden, April 6, 2020. I want you to listen closely. I'm not missing these words. I'm saying them exactly as they're written. These are written down verbatim, like word for word off the audio. He says, we cannot let this, we, we've never allowed, and any, crisis from the civil war straight through to the pandemic of 17 all the way around 16 we have never ever let our democracy sakes second fiddle way they we can both have a democracy and elections at the same time That should get your attention. I don't know whether you can go on YouTube and see collages of clips, clips of him speaking where he makes absolutely no sense. He can't string his ver- subject, verb, object together right. I'm not making fun of him because as you get older, things wear out. That's just the way that is. But it should scare the hell out of you that that there's about half the country are supporting this guy. And you know that that guy is not going to be running the show in the White House. So who's going to be running the White House? Who's going to be running that White House? You want Black Lives Matter people? You want Antifa people? Because there's people behind that that are actually elected officials like Keith Ellison, who was uh, one of the first black Muslims ever elected to office. And now he's out of office. He was a congressman. He is a criminal. Do you know uh, that he is the attorney general in the state of, of Minnesota? And that the, they have a black police chief there, and, and they have all kinds of and a black liberal mayor there. 
And that's where they had the problem with the uh, the officer supposedly on the neck of a guy, George Floyd. And and they complain about brutality in law enforcement, but they control the entire government. Why don't they do something about it? You ever ask yourself that? They could go in and they could look at all the backgrounds <clears throat> and the personnel files of all the police that they have concerns about. They could fire them, but they haven't. Why is that? Can you imagine having some of these Muslims that, that actually hate us, hate America, running the, I'm telling you, a guy that cannot string his thoughts together is not going to be running this country. Just hold that thought. We're going to take a break here, and uh, we're halfway through today's show. We've got three more segments. Be right back. Well, I came to the river. I took a look around There were old men's shoes There were needles on the ground If I say all lives matter, I'm a racist. If I stand for my flag, I have to apologize for it. I'm not allowed to go to church, but I can burn churches to the ground. I'm not allowed to open my own business, but I can go loot and destroy other people's businesses. If I wear a badge, have a gun, and I'm dressed in blue, I'm a racist pig. But if I walk around destroying my city with bricks and masks, I'm considered a peaceful protester. I'm not allowed to peacefully protest the lockdown at my capital, but I can go destroy and graffiti my capital. I'm not allowed to go to the park to play t-ball with my family, but I can destroy the park. I'm not allowed to protect our historical monuments and history, but I can go tear them down and have them land on top of people. I'm not allowed to have an opinion on racial matters because I'm white, but if I don't have an opinion on it, I'm the reason why people are oppressed. I can go riot in the streets with the BLM, but if I go to a Trump rally, COVID-19 magically appears. Does anyone else not see the hypocrisy in all of this? I am done with your bullshit. What the mainstream media was afraid to tell you about the news this week. This week... While the mainstream media was obsessing about the size of President Trump's Tulsa rally, here are the things that happened that really matter. Newly released handwritten notes from former FBI agent Peter Strzok about the Michael Flynn investigation reveal that Joe Biden and Barack Obama knew about the FBI's shady targeting of General Flynn. In fact, the notes reveal that former FBI Director James Comey believed that Flynn's phone calls with then-Russian Ambassador Sergei Kislyak were legit. The notes also reveal President Obama said to pick the right people to be assigned to the Flynn case and the biggest bombshell. The notes reveal that Vice President Joe Biden suggested using the Logan Act to implicate Flynn. But did the mainstream media report on this? No, no, they barely mentioned it. The president of Greater New York Chapter of Black Lives Matter, his name is Hawk Newsom, said, and I quote, if this country doesn't give us what we want, then we will burn down this system and replace it. All right. And I could be speaking figuratively, he says. I could be speaking literally. It's a matter of interpretation, end quote. In other words, the Black Lives Matter group, the organization is threatening to wage domestic terrorism in the United States if their political agenda is not met. But did the mainstream media report that the leaders of the Black Lives Matter group are threatening violence and terror if they don't get their way? No, the mainstream media didn't say a word. Meanwhile, the co-founder of the Black Lives Matter movement admits that she and another co-founder are trained Marxists. 
Patrice Cooler said about she and Alicia Garza, two of the three founders of the Black Lives Matter movement, and I quote, we are trained Marxists. You can't get clearer than that. She said that was the ideological framework of the Black Lives Matter movement. But did the mainstream media report that? No, they didn't. YouTube censored a video of Dr. Ryan Anderson talking with Walt Heyer, who was born male, transitioned to female, and then regretted his transition and detransitioned. Now, Heyer speaks to young people suffering from gender dysphoria in order to educate them on the regret and the comorbidities that accompany gender dysphoria. YouTube banned the video because Heyer said gender dysphoria is a childhood developmental disorder, which is how it's classified officially in medical diagnosis. But did the mainstream media report on this censorship? No, they did not. A recent Economist YouGov poll asked American adults, do you favor or oppose abolishing the police? Well, people oppose it by a 73% to 11% margin. Among various political and racial demographics, the vast majority of people in our country do not want to abolish the police. Black people oppose disbanding the police 55 to 22. Hispanics oppose it 51 to 20. Democrats oppose it 63 to 19. And liberals oppose disbanding the police 60 to 23. But did the mainstream media report on those statistics? No, no. The mainstream media doesn't care to report any of that to you. So we will. But since I met you, baby... Shout out to a couple of people that <clears throat> make it possible to me to stay on this uh, podcast, make this happen. And uh, one of the guys is Monty Hecker. I mentioned him earlier because he's helping in this recall, and uh, he has elite universal security. If you need a job, I'm there, you know I just saw where man they already nine nine million new jobs coming back after COVID destroyed them. And Monty needs some workers out there if you want to be a guard, uh, armed or not. He has both, and they guard businesses, residences, government buildings, all kinds of things. They have people on foot in government buildings, people in cars, trucks. Anyway, you can reach them at 530-749-0280. If you need to get your concealed weapon permit, you can get them through him. Again, 530-749-0280. If you need to... If you're interested in that kind of work and you're just you're a good person, you're a hard worker. You don't you don't have a funky background, big old corrupt background. Uh, he'll he'll teach you how to do, go through the guard. He'll put you through guard training. They got all the classes and they will handhold you, get you through that. And they'll they'll get you going. They and they're into helping new people, young people get started. And hopefully you'll go on and maybe go into law enforcement if you want. Uh, but they're working not just here in the Yuba Sutter County area, but all the way below Sacramento, all the way to the Oregon border. So if you want a, a good job and uh, good work for good people, they even have dispatchers. <clears throat> but I know they're really advertising for their need guards. So you can go on their website at EliteUniversalSecurity.com, Elite, E-L-I-T-E, UniversalSecurity.com, and also at API 
hyphenacademy.com. They have a schedule of classes there. You can do some classes even online, which is cool. And uh, and there's actually some funding for their their classes uh, if you're short on funding, but you want to do the work. So give them a shout out. Also, again, if you want to register to vote or you want to recall Gavin, you can sign up out there at 5548 Feather River Boulevard. It's right off the Highway 70 freeway south of Marysville. Also want to give a shout out to Dave Greenitz. I was, as I mentioned, I think last week, um, he was telling me they're very busy. And so he was telling a couple of customers, uh, if you're willing to wait, I will, I will get over there and get you going. But he says, oh, we're, we're real busy right at the moment. So Greenitz construction, they do amazing and, and they're, they're busy because people come to them because of the best. It's just not uh, people are looking for a cheap job. They're looking for the best. They, they want a quality job. And where they don't have a lot of comebacks or, you like, oh, that doesn't look too straight. Or, oh, yeah, that nail's sticking out, didn't, it didn't get embedded properly. Or the door doesn't quite close right. Or the paint job's a little weird. None of that. It's just like first class. First cabin. So you can go to Greenitz, G-R-E-E-N, like green, the color, E-T-Z at the end, greenitzconstruction.com, uh, greenitzconstruction.com, or the Facebook page is Dave Greenitz Construction. And uh, you can check out their before and afters. I mean, they show you the floor plan, what it used to be, what it is now. Then they'll show you the before photographs, what it, is, what it was, what it is. And uh, they light it up. It's unbelievable. And I know some of the uh, subs they use. I know Dave personally, and I know the subs he used. Dave does work on my home. They're fast. They're efficient. They leave the place clean. Uh, They show up when they say they're going to show up. That's a big deal nowadays. And they return your calls. You know, if you want to call him up, you'll probably get him. He'll probably answer the phone. If he doesn't, he'll get voicemail because he's on the other line, but he'll call you right back. That's a big deal nowadays, right? You, how many people you call never call you, call you back, right? They advertise, advertise, advertise. You call. They say, oh, well, we're coming over. We're coming back on Monday. We're coming on Monday. They don't show. But that's not true with Greenitz. So 530-682-9602. 530-682-9602. You know you're going to spend $10,000, dollars dollars $50,000 on a home remodel. You don't want to swing and miss, end up in a big lawsuit. They didn't do it right. They don't want to come back and do a make good. The floor seems screwed up. You know, it's just like one of the appliances doesn't work, something the cabinet doesn't swing right. It just, there's so many things that people are unprofessional. I I, I used to work in the paint contracting business. I, I've seen everything. And uh, you don't want to, like, experiment with somebody's cousin or brother or whatever unless you know he's going to be right. So uh, anyway, check it out, Dave Greenitz. Tell him Lou Benninger sent him over there, No Hostages Radio. Dave Greenitz helps helps support the show. I wouldn't uh, take him, uh, let him support the show unless he was the best, right? I want the best. Um, okay, let's move ahead here, and uh, uh, let's see. Oh, I wanted to mention, I was I, since uh, I heard that Gavin Newsom, the governor in California, is shutting down the state again. He's shutting down the beaches. Of all the places, the beaches makes no sense. Did you notice <clears throat> that any of the rules of COVID make no sense? 
it doesn't matter what rule they have, you can find a top-notch doctor, immunologists that are a lot higher educated than our local doc that's running our, our health our health operation here in Yuba Sutter. This gal is telling us to do things that are contrary to your health. The best thing you can do is not wear a mask. The best thing you can do is not social distance. And the best thing you can do is get the hell out of your house. Do not stay in your house. If you want a strong immune system, you need to mix it up. God created you to mix it up with people and to go out and enjoy life and enjoy the sun. You need the sunlight. You need the fresh air. The best thing you could do is go to the beach. What are they telling you to do? Stay in your home and not go to the beach. I just watched Dr. Lou, L-U-U. She says, if you want to get together with your relative, just do it with one of them. Totally stupid. She is so full of crap. And it just infuriates me that our supervisors on both sides of the river in Yuba Sutter are giving her 300 grand a year plus they're paying a couple hundred th- dollars a night to put her up in the Hampton Inn because they, she lives an hour and a half from here. And they turn around and put her up in a hotel room because we're on an ongoing crisis. You know where the crisis, you know what the crisis is? It isn't that the people have a cold or the flu. So what? They got it. People say, oh, Lou, you got a cold. I said, so what? Live or die. Who cares? You got to die sometime. You get a cold. You have it for a while. You get over it. Got over it. Makes you appreciate the healthy days, doesn't it? I'm very rarely ever sick, but I got a cold right now. No big deal. I don't I don't regret it. And I'm not going to go to the doctor about it. But I'm not going to have a crisis over it. Why are we having an international crisis over something that only kills people that are ancient and are going to die this year anyway? I'm not being cold-hearted. You know, it's interesting to me. People want to label everybody. Oh, you're cold hearted. You don't care. I'm the guy that runs a program and got or dredging people out of the river or a guy gets run over on a motorcycle. What the hell are you doing? Who do you think you're talking to criticizing people? I see these young kids, teenagers walking down the street with a mask on the stupidest thing. I just saw a guy drive by with a mask on the stupidest thing. I feel sorry for him. I just heard where Little League is canceled all of a sudden again and and high school sports. Are you kidding me? Because somebody has the cold, a cold, and now we're going to manage and we can't come out of our houses? Honestly, people, this is communism. It has nothing to do with an illness. They're just using the fact that people get sick. (coughs) People get sick. I, I travel all over the world. I'll get on an airplane with three or 400 people. I'm healthy. I'm feeling good. I'm happy. I'm getting to fly to Asia. I'm going to do my work over there. And people on the plane are coughing. You know why they're coughing? Because they're sick. And they don't want to pass up their trip that they've been waiting to go. So they're they're hacking and they're sneezing, right? And I think, oh, boy, I'm going to be breathing that, right? But there's three, three or 400 people there. And sometimes I get sick going overseas. Do you think I'm bitter about it? Do you think I'm complaining to the health department <clears throat> or want my money back from the airlines? No, it's just part of life. Now, you're hiding out. They've scared the hell out of you. You won't go to the beach. You won't go for a walk. You you 
you're letting some woman dictate to you and and banter you and criticize you. I watched her on video yesterday, and I thought, she said, we've we've been bad. <clears throat> we've been bad in in Yuba Sutter, and and the numbers are going up. I said, to hell with you. Who cares whether the numbers are going up? Who do, who do you think you are? Come in here. And you keep count of the numbers. I said, why don't you come and keep count of the numbers of suicides? And people are alcohol overdoses. And all the people that don't wear condoms and they're, they're, got, they're packing uh, sexually transmitted diseases. Why don't we keep track of all the, why don't the people, if you really want to do something, let's deal with cancer. But you're telling me you're, you're, you're making me want to feel bad. You want me to feel bad because a bunch of people got a cold. Or if you want to call it the flu, whatever you want to call it, a virus. It's a no it's a nothing burger, people. And they are taking away your civil rights. That gal needs to be thrown in the back of a pickup and hauled to Elk Grove and kicked out the back and pack her clothes up at Hampton Inn and say, Get the hell out of here and never come back. These supervisors are the biggest bunch of idiots, five idiots on each side of the river that are just being drug along by their noses by this gal. They're absolutely of no use to us. They're just following what a a maniacal governor. You, you know, it's fascinating to me. I got pastors that will quote uh, Eric Bonhoeffer. You may not know him. He was hung at Flossburg Prison just a few days before the Allies overtook Germany. He was taken into a concentration camp. He was known as one of the most brilliant theologians in Germany. He refused to leave Germany. They wanted to smuggle him out. They wanted him to leave Germany because the Nazis took over. He said, I don't want to leave. I, he fought against the Nazis. He stood against the Nazis. I have all kinds of pastors quoting his books. But they won't stand up. They don't have the spine of a Bonhoeffer. He tried. He 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 uh, was caught in an assassination attempt of uh, Adolf Hitler. Oh man, a church guy trying to kill a maniac. I don't know. When do you say that it's all right to kill somebody? How many people does he need to kill? Six million Jews, kill a bunch of Americans, Russians, French, Polish. Gypsies, how many people? Millions and millions of men. Till you stop a maniac. We got a maniac running this state right now. It's called Gavin Newsom. The guy's totally off the hook. And and we got supervisors. Most of those supervisors claim they're a Republican. Honestly, that the word Republican just almost makes me want to vomit. They're just a piece of crap, is what they are. They're a waste of time. You know, Jesus said, I'd rather have you cold or hot, lukewarm. I'll spit you out of my mouth. I'll vomit you out. These people are so lukewarm. They don't have a spine one in them to stand up. There's all kinds of like immunologists, brilliant doctors around the United States that say this thing is a, a, a total scam. It's a scam. It's a coup. And we got people running around. Can you, you know, what's shocking to me. They have shut the schools down. 
even though they're the worst schools we've ever had in the United States. In California, they're horrible. They're indoctrination centers. Please, if you have children, right now you can begin to homeschool them, and there's a lot of people can help you online to set up your own little school operation. And your kids will be so far ahead of the kids in public school, and they won't have to go through the transvestite stuff, the the multiple gender stuff, the bullying teaching, the drugs, the alcohol, the molesting teachers. Honestly, people... How, how much risk do you want to put your kids through? This is your chance to break away. They're talking about not even being able to start school. You know why? Because they can't comply with all the health rules. What are the health rules? Well, they have to sanitize multiple times a day. They won't be able to sit together. They got to they got to go in different sessions during the day because we can't have as many kids in the classroom. Why? 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 Kids are going to school. Do you know kids? And You know, if you don't get out much, kids are going to school all over the world right now. But they aren't in America. What's going on in America? Do you ever ask deep questions? What is going on here? They're having school in Europe. All over. What is going They're having school in Vietnam right now. What is going on here? There is a takeover. They're shutting down everything until they break you. Social distancing is a CIA torture technique, light duty, but very effective torture technique to control your mind and to harass you. People, human beings are not designed to stay apart. We're designed to be together and to like one another and to hug one another and to kiss one another. It's all right. And it's a part of life. It's odd to even have to say that. People have lost their minds. And our supervisors has actually are compliant and they're going along with it. These guys are helping institute a communist government in our counties. What do you think that they're just going to take over Washington, D.C. and that automatically is going to change anything? No, you change one community at a time and our supervisors are complicit that means they're going along with it, and they're hired this little Vietnamese gal, and she is just full on board and like telling me I got to put a mask on. And and right in the government's documents about health and safety, it says do not wear a mask. It's bad for your health. And the immunologist says masks do not help. The viruses and bacteria go right through those masks. I'm not going to have a pissing contest with you over mass. I'm just telling you that this is about a takeover of our country. Now, I, my next door neighbor said they were going to go to the beach tomorrow, but he's or this weekend. So he said, "Forget it. You can't." They shut the beaches, so I'm going to go work. He's a truck driver, but I noticed that Santa Cruz. It said I saw this article that they're going to they're. They had said before this that they're going to have their beaches open because people aren't paying any attention to the government. Now, I had somebody write me uh, or text me today. They said, Lou, I, I, I wish I could. I was more active. I would organize a protest about the beaches. My hope is that the people, if I lived along the beaches of California, I would be right in the middle of a big old funky fight down there this weekend. 
on the fourth. I just go out there and do my thing and let them arrest me. You know, until thousands of people just rise up, uh, you're going to get your butt kicked if you comply with all this crap. This, this, honestly, this gal is totally nutso. This, this doctor, Doctor Lu Fong Lu, trained by the Soros Foundation, is nutso. And she, and we're paying through the nose. I, you know, somebody needs to ask for an audit of Sutter. You know, she's a Yuba Sutter health officer now. And she, and and on this video, they kept showing. I don't even know whether there were her offices where all these gals are in there looking at these computers with masks on. I thought, shut those ladies down. Tell them to go to Walmart and get a real job. We don't need them. We don't need people to keep track of how many and, and lecture me that 25 more people tested positive. It doesn't mean they're even sick. It just means they they have it on board. Just because you test positive for tuberculosis doesn't mean you have it. It just means at one time it came into your system and your system said, ain't going for it. Honestly, people, we need to stand up. I saw a photograph the other day of all these sheep in a pasture <coughs> looking at the photographer, real sheep, and somebody had superimposed masks on all of them. And I thought, if that isn't amazing, you know, my mom taught me, you know, I'd say, you know, when you're a teenager, hey, can I go out with so go out tonight? No, you can't go. You can't go to that thing. I'd say, well, why not? Billy, John, Susie, all them are going. Well, he said, well, well you're not those people. And if they were all going to go over a cliff, would you go over it with them? Remember that? I don't know whether you remember those. My parents used to say that. It's like, hey, you want those people. So we don't want you to go to that. So. Cool your jets, right? So it's amazing to me. People say, oh, well, you know, you don't wear a mask. I said, yeah, I ain't going to wear a mask. If you got a problem, you wear the mask, right? If you have a health issue, you wear the mask. I'm good with that. So, okay, we got a break. Let's see, that's four segments. All right, let me just switch here and uh, play these clips. And we'll be right back. I need to get me something to drink. Hold on. Natural disasters, terrorist attacks, and wars have one thing in common. They involve a lot of destruction. But every time there's a natural disaster or a terrorist attack or a war, you can be virtually guaranteed that someone is going to come along and say that there's a silver lining in all of this. It's good for the economy because it's going to create jobs. When there's a natural disaster or a terrorist attack or a war, we have to spend money replacing all the stuff that gets destroyed. This is an application of what we call the broken window fallacy. Frederick Bastiat corrected this fallacy in his early 19th century essay, That Which is Seen and That Which is Not Seen. The key point is that destruction does not create prosperity. Destruction destroys prosperity. Imagine someone who owns a shop. The shop has a glass window. Now a kid comes along and throws a rock through the window, so the window's broken, shattered glass everywhere. The shopkeeper's upset. Why? Because his window's been broken. He has to go and pay the glassmaker in order to get the window replaced. 
Now, some people might come along and say, well, no, look, you should all be smiling because this is going to create jobs. You spend money on new glass. The glass maker earns this money. He can then spend it at restaurants, and he can spend it on new clothes, and he can spend it on things that he likes. That's going to create jobs for other people. This money's going to circulate, and we're all going to be richer as a result of the fact that this kid has thrown a rock through a window, and now we've had to replace a window. Let's think for a moment about what the policy prescription would be if it were, in fact, true that this is a good idea. What we should do, instead of trying to prevent people from breaking things, instead of trying to prevent people from destroying property, we should in fact be enlisting armies of kids with rocks to go around breaking windows, to destroy things. Because after all, if this would require new spending that would make us richer, that would make us better off, that would be the path to prosperity. Destroying things, breaking things, and then spending money to replace them. What we're doing when we indulge this kind of thinking is we're focusing our attention on what is seen but we're not taking account of what is not seen. What we don't see is what the shopkeeper would have used that money for if he hadn't had to replace his window. He might have used it to buy a suit. This would have created an opportunity for a tailor. The tailor then could have spent the money on something else. He could have used it to buy groceries. This would have created opportunities for grocers. Maybe he would have saved it. Then the money could be lent to someone who wants to start a new business. He could have done something else that would have created job opportunities for other people. The world would have still had the window, and it would have had the benefit of all of this additional activity that would have gone on had the window not been broken in the first place. On net, society is worse off to the tune of one window. Whenever we actually destroy resources, that's precisely what we're doing. We're destroying stuff. We're not creating wealth. It's important to remember that it's production that creates prosperity and not destruction. My message is that we have a great country. We have the greatest country on earth. We have a heritage, we have a history, and we should learn from the history. And if you don't understand your history, you will go back to it again. You will go right back to it. You have to learn, think of it. You take away that whole era, and you're gonna go back to it sometime. People won't know about it. They're gonna forget about it. It's okay. Now, what I do like, I like the idea of building new statues to people, to great people, people that have done something. And I think that's okay. Right. But you don't want to take away our heritage and our history. And the beauty, in many cases, the beauty, the artistic beauty, some of the sculptures and some of this work is some of the great, you can go to France, you can go anywhere in the world, and you'll never see more magnificent work. And that's a factor. It's not the biggest factor, but it's a factor. for a few minutes today on <clears throat> Measure K, which was a tax measure put on the ballot in 2018 uh, by Yuba County uh, to raise 1% more on sales tax, uh, which would be kept locally. And they're at the uh, <clears throat> what they said their intent was is to use that for public safety. But, but in the state of California, if you restrict what it can be used for, then you need two-thirds vote of the populace to approve it. But they said, uh, no, we only need a majority, just one more person over 50%, and they got 53%. But they said they, they certified it as a legitimate election, 
and they started charging the tax. <clears throat> so we filed a bunch of us uh, worked to, against Measure K in general, but then a handful of people, included Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association, uh, filed lawsuit against uh, the tax, saying that it should have had a, a two-thirds vote. Uh, two, it should have. Uh, one by two thirds vote, not just a majority, and um, so they took it to Superior Court in the county of Yuba, and the judge agreed with the people who filed suit against the county and the county supervisors. <coughs> but instead of just dropping it, in the meantime, a one percent tax, which amounts to about ten thousand dollars a day, uh, was being charged uh, to the count the people that were buying stuff in Yuba County and Yuba County residents that were buying cars anywhere in the world, an extra 1% was being charged, and uh, even though the tax was illegal. So anyway, the Yuba County judge said the taxes shouldn't be valid. So Yuba County uh, appealed it using taxpayer dollars to appeal it. They appealed it to the appellate court of the state of California. And so different briefs have been, have been uh, filed, and uh, so <clears> – <throat> The county filed briefs, and then the people against Measure K filed a brief. And then the uh, a group called the uh, County State, uh, the California State Association of Counties, or CSAC, filed a brief, basically saying that hey, uh, if you rule in favor of the opposition to Measure K, it's going to affect fifty eight of the counties, and it's going to affect a lot of lot of other conditions situations. So. Brian Hildreth, <clears throat> the attorney for the anti-Major K people, filed a brief the other day, and I just got a copy of it. And it said uh, he, he he's question he's challenge. In other words, he had to respond to the CSAC brief saying, "Hey, uh, you know this this is a was a legit election, et cetera, et cetera." So he says in 2018, Yuba County repeatedly promised its voters that passage of Major K meant raising tax revenues, which quote shall be used entirely to maintain and improve public safety services and essential services for the benefit of the unincorporated areas of the county. So anyway, this thing's 21 pages long. I'm not going to read it all, but I'm just going to read a little highlights. The county's ordinance further directed the Measure K tax proceeds shall be accounted for and paid into a public safety services trust fund. Now, all these types of comments means that it needs a two-thirds vote, but this was written into the ordinance. So now the, the county is saying, Oh, uh, really, that wasn't true. We said that, but we really didn't mean it. So what happened was from the very beginning, this was uh, Robert Bendorf put this together with Crystal Martin, uh, who is a public relations person in town, and they lied. They just repeatedly lied and distorted and uh, twisted the truth. And they were even confronted with this by uh, individuals in our community that knew what they were doing. They even they were even questioned on it by department head leaders in the county that were public safety leaders questioning whether they had this written up right. And then the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association, who have a lot of attorneys, uh, they advised the county and they ignored that advice on and on and on and on and on. And then they just uh, they just plowed through. So they've been collecting ten thousand dollars a day. Millions and millions of dollars have been uh, collected already. And now it's held in a trust fund. And I'm un- I understand that win or lose, these county idiots are going to get the money. Right. So uh, 
so it's Brian Hildreth, the attorney, says post-election, however, the county conveniently argues it cannot define what an essential service is. And therefore, Major K must be a general tax. So anyway, uh, he he is refuting CSAC's argument. But in the end, I'm going to read some comments out of the conclusions because this is typical. The, the reason I'm reading this, covering this for you out there in Missouri and uh, Texas and Arizona and Nevada and Florida <coughs> is this can happen to you. Now, in the 1970s, the taxpayers were, were going broke and uh, and they passed a Proposition 13 to change how property taxes were assessed in the state of California. And it saves people, saved people hundreds of thousands of dollars over their lifetime. And then the government found loopholes in Prop 13. So they then the the uh, the uh, citizens passed Prop 218 that said, hey, government just can't decide to tax us. They have to get approval from the voters. So I want to read you Brian's conclusion. It says, Yuba County's Major K scheme, he calls it a scheme, represents the latest attempt by local government to circumvent the spirit, if not the letter, of Proposition 13 and 218. Yuba County literally codified in an ordinance that Major K Tax revenues would be set aside and dedicated for specific purposes. That's how they sold it to the public. For public safety services and essential services for the benefit of the unincorporated areas of the county. And explained those terms as funding 911 emergency medical fire response, improving wildfire containment, maintaining 24-hour sheriff's patrol, on and on and on and on and on. Special emergency services, right? Major K is now an unlimited account. Now they describe it as unlimited account to use in any way they choose. If this court, he says, endorses Yuba County's actions with respect to Major K, taxpayers across California may be confronted with an avalanche of intentionally misleading initiatives. You know what? You know what? You ever met somebody where you believe you just believe they were honest like you and then something went down and you thought, oh, they're not like me at all. That's how I feel like Robert Mendorf and the supervisors. I thought, oh, they kind of they're, they're like honorable people and they tell the truth. And they say to me, they see about my articles I write in the territorial that I lie and stuff like that. But they never write a counter article to explain the actual points. But they misled the public repeatedly, supervisors and Robert Bendorf and and their whole PR campaign. And by the way, no one has ever addressed the fact that they violated our free speech rights by taking tax dollars and lobbying against us. They just ignore that. They never do address that. Brian Hildreth says he's with the company they're down on uh, this is a great company or a great firm bell mcandrew and hilltach he said with respect to major k taxpayers <coughs> they there's going to be an avalanche of intentionally misleading initiatives which pre-election will promise to fund only the government's most essential services but post-election will dis, dis- disintegrate into blank checks for local government to spend on whatever they please. Now, the county of Yuba, I can't speak for your county wherever you reside. I just saw a figure where we now owe $167 million in unfunded liabilities for 
for pensions. People, this is a county of 644 square miles, about 75,000 people, and we owe $167 million. Now, the other day, the Yuba County Water Agency just loaned Yuba County $10 million to make a payment to CalPERS. Now, you know from your personal finances that if you got to go out and borrow to pay your bills, you're in trouble. Is that right? Am I talking the truth? If you can't pay your bills on time, you're in trouble. This county, as well as many other counties in the United States and cities, cannot pay its bills on time. Now, their, they, their argument to take the money from the Yuba Water Agency is that by paying a lump sum, they're not paying monthly amount, and they don't have to pay as much interest rate. Therefore, <coughs> they're going to pay the money back to the water agency at a reduced rate and save the taxpayer money. I get it. I took accounting twice. I took two, two levels of accounting in college, so I get it. I know how to read a budget and a, and a balance sheet and do taxes. I get it. My point is the fact that you you cannot – you have to make payments. If you can't pay your credit card off every month, you're in trouble. If you've got to make payments, you're in trouble. The county of Yuba is in really big financial trouble, and they're getting deeper all the time. They're paying, they're paying much more than we can afford. Are they worth it? I'm not going to say we're paying people more than they're worth. I like many of the people work for the county. If you want to get a million dollars a year, get a million dollars a year. I, I make as much as you want. I just we can't afford it. We just we're running out of money. And you may be worth it, but maybe we can't afford it. It's like on, in baseball, a guy wants a multi-million dollar contract, but the baseball team cannot afford it. They're at the salary cap, so they say, "I'm going to go ahead and sign with the ABC team." So that's what this major K is all about, just more and more money. Every time you turn around in California, maybe in your state, you're getting tax, tax, tax. tax. Our gas tax just went up right in the middle of this COVID thing. It's amazing. So, okay, let me go back. I want to I read you something that I wrote. Somebody said, oh, I, I don't think I should read stuff. It, I think it's boring, but maybe I'm just boring. I don't know. Uh, anyway. Uh, this is, uh, I want to, somebody said to me, somebody listens to the show every week. They said, Lou, we really like it when you read your articles. So, and I read an article here a week or so ago that they refused to run the territorial dispatch because they, they're full of fear. It's about blacks. You should go online at you at, at, um, uh, no hostages, radio.com and read the thing about black lives matter. You can about a week or so ago, I wrote it. It'll, it'll educate you. It's factual. It's not inflammatory. I'm drinking some hot tea here. <clears throat> okay. I wrote an article called The Be Safe Nation. I'm going to cover it for you in a little bit because you need to hear this. I do a lot of research, and so I know I know what I'm saying. You may not agree with what I'm saying. Totally fine. I'm good with it. I'm secure. A reader called me um, a while back, a few months ago, and, and – uh, and she said, uh, a reader called just as I, I'm going to read this so I don't get sidetracked. As, a, as the Chinese Communist Party scandemic was surging to say she was 12 years of age in 1969 and she became ill with the Hong Kong flu in 1969. She said, 
that the Hong Kong flu was much worse than the Wuhan flu or the current COVID-19 flu in terms of impact. I said, well, maybe, maybe not. But be assured that the Hong Kong flu was not used to as political fodder by the greatest generation against the nation. They just, to overthrow the nation, they just successfully defended. Between 1968 and 70, the Hong Kong flu killed an estimated between 1 and 4 million. That's way more than the, the current flu is. With U.S. deaths exceeding 100,000. That's, and we, we've got about 128,000 deaths now on this COVID thing. But I think actually, just as a side note, that the COVID thing is including just regular flus, all kinds of stuff. There's all kinds of false positives. I don't have time to get into all the science on this stuff. False positives. I talk to doctors all the time. The sad thing is that local doctors think that Dr. Lou is full of crap, but they don't have the guts to stand up against her and say something. It's just sad, but that's how we end up with a communist country, right? Somebody needs to pull a trigger. <clears throat> so, however, there will be an ast- Anyway, the adults responsible for America in 1969 had suffered the Great Depression, survived World War II, the Korean War, and the Vietnam Wars. They lived in a, on a little and later risked all they had for freedom. Today's adults are concerned with staying safe, wearing little masks, sanitizing, and counseling life to stay home confident in conformity. We ain't what we used to be. In the Seinfeld segment, you need to look this up on YouTube. In the Seinfeld segment about Kramer and the AIDS ribbon, Kramer signed up for the March for AIDS awareness but was bullied by marchers for refusing to wear the little symbolic AIDS ribbon. Kramer protests, this is America. I don't have to wear anything I don't want to wear. Remember that America? His persecutors were of the I care generation where a thought or a symbol equals a deed done. Today, some popular irritable cliches are you're a be- you are beautiful inside and out. I hate that. T- I hate that phrase. Be safe and have a nice day. Literary critic Paul Fassell ticked with the send off. Have a nice day responded. Thank you. But I have other plans. Well, veterans alive in 1969, military veterans, after being dumped by Higgins boats on Omaha Beach, June 6, 1944, were hoping to survive for a few more minutes, vomiting and having a body fragments on your face day. Today, police are forced by health officials to confront people for canoeing, going to the beach, not wearing a mask, being a little pussy. And, and actually wanting to support your family by working. Meanwhile, bad guys are free to go rape somebody and rob somebody again. In 19... Hold on, my cursor screwed up here. In 1969, I want you to think about this. Think about this that happened today. So in 1969, there was a full-blown major, probably worse than what we have today, way worse. But but in the Hong Kong flu only killed the same people that COVID's killing, old people. In 1969, there were the Woodstock and Altamont rock concerts. Each of them, separate, had more than 300,000 in attendance. Woodstock was a muddy, multi-day bash with youngsters sharing body fluids, drugs, food, and drink. 
There were no places to shower, no bottled water, no food trucks. No one cared about a flu epidemic. In fact, they weren't aware of it. It was being brought back by troops from Vietnam. They were getting sick over there. There was no national pee-in-your-pants panic campaign like Dr. Fong Lu is conducting here in Yuba Sutter. The New York Times called the flu the worst in the nation's history, but it hardly even made the news. Schools never stopped, except a few schools where quite a few teachers got sick, just a handful. <coughs> they shut down until they got the, the teachers back in, in the saddle. Jeffrey Tucker from the uh, education, Editorial director for American Institute of Economic Research said life continued as normal, but as with now, no one knew for certain how deadly the pandemic would be, would turn out to be. Regardless, he said people went on with their lives. That generation approached viruses with calm, rationality, intelligence. We left disease mitigation to medical professionals, individuals, and families rather than politics, politicians, and government. How does the Wuhan flu compare to the Hong Kong flu? Well, Nathaniel Moore, a postdoctoral fellow at Harvard University Kennedy School of Government, said there were few precautions taken during the H3N2 or Hong Kong flu pandemic other than washing your hands, staying home when you got sick. It was like the pandemic hadn't even happened if you look back in the history books. I'm shocked, he said, at how differently people addressed things back then. They just kind of ignored it, 1968 versus 2020. In the 1960s, you learned that getting a virus was good for the immune system, and getting sick while young, like chickenpox and measles, was better than when you got old. Adults living then had witnessed many ailments, mumps, scarlet fever, polio, brought under control. The idea that a pandemic could be managed with social distancing, public lockdowns is new, said Tucker. It was first suggested in 2006 study by a New Mexico scientist, Robert J. Glass, who got the idea. I want you to, this is not a typo. He got the idea of social distancing from his 14-year-old daughter's science project, Feng Lu. Two government doctors, not even ep epidemiologists, Richard Hatcher Hatchett and Carter Mecker, uh, who worked for George W. Bush, they came up with the idea of using government-enforced social distancing and hope one day to try it out on the next virus. We are in effect, Tucker said, part of a grand social experiment. The, CCC flu, the CCP flu is the social engineering Super Bowl for lab stars Tony Fauci and Deborah Burks. The price of mandatory participation is an altered life, and that's where you come in. We're about down to our uh, last spot here. I'm going to take a break, and then we'll finish up our last uh, segment in just a moment. Lady Liberty, standing there in the hub with her torch on high, 
screaming out to all the nations in the world, send me your poor, your deadbeats, your filthy. <laughs> and all the nations sent them in here. They come swarming in like ants. Your Spanish PRs, your Californians, your Japs, your Chinamen, your Crouch and your Heaves, and your Indian Spanish. Here, and they're all free to live in their own separate sections where they feel safe and they bust your head if you go in there. That's what makes America great, buddy. Josiah Henson, a.k.a. Uncle Tom. Uncle Tom was born June 15, 1789 in Charles County, Maryland. He was separated from his parents when he was a kid after his father got disciplined for standing up to a slave owner. His father received a hundred lashes and got his right ear cut off. One day, at the age of nine, Josiah was caught reading a grammar book by a slave master, Mr. Riley. Mr. Riley beat him so bad, his eyes were swollen and he became unconscious. As he grew older, he became the overseer of the plantation. Josiah was able to work and stack up some money so he can purchase his freedom. But Mr. Riley cheated him out of his money. So after that, he escaped to Canada. And that's where he gave his story. In 1852, author Harriet Beecher Stowe released a powerful fictional book called Uncle Tom's Cabin. Fictional, but it was also based on Josiah's life. This book was so powerful that if you were caught reading it, selling it, or buying it, you would be arrested. Not only could you be arrested, but you could also be sentenced to death. Inside of the book Uncle Tom's Cabin, you will learn about two characters. One Uncle Tom and the other Sambo. Uncle Tom was a good dude. He never snitched. He never beat anybody and he was the guy if your sack was empty or your sack was low he would take cotton out of his sack and put it into yours just so you wouldn't get beat because he was so looked up to he was so loved and he was the man holding everything down they had to put another slave in charge of him and that slave was Sambo Sambo's orders was to beat Uncle Tom every night all the way up until his death. Uncle Tom was beat to death in the fictional book for not giving up the whereabouts of two women slaves that escaped. So let's change that narrative on Uncle Tom. Uncle Tom was a good dude. Sambo is what we should be calling people, not Uncle Tom. You should be proud to be called an Uncle Tom. That name came from the white slave owners who viewed him as a traitor. Have you ever been face to face with a police officer and wondered, is he about to kick my ass? Well, wonder no more. If you follow these easy tips, you'll be fine. First, obey the law. Laws were made for a reason. Think of them as hints. You've heard people say, man, I wouldn't do that shit if I was you. Well, here's some of that shit. Carjacking, armed robbery, arson, 
selling drugs, buying drugs, stabbing, shooting. You know, you probably won't get your ass kicked if you just use common sense. If you jump a subway turnstile, you might just get off with a warning from the police. But if you jump a turnstile carrying a loaded gun and smoking a joint, then maybe you need your ass kicked. We all know what happened to Rodney King. But Rodney wouldn't have gotten his ass kicked if he had just followed this simple tip. When you see flashing police lights in your mirror, stop immediately. Everybody knows, if the police have to come and get you, they're bringing an ass kicking with them. Here's a no-brainer. If you're listening to loud rap music, turn that shit off. Blasting fuck the police while you're getting pulled over by the police is just ignorant. When an officer approaches your car, be polite. Is there a problem, officer? And stay in your car with your hands on the wheel. What the fuck do you want, motherfucker? Unless you want your ass kicked. Want to give a friend a ride? Not so fast. Your friend might be crazy. Now, before you let your friend in your car, ask them these questions. Do you have a gun? Do you have drugs? Do you have any warrants? And in case you do get pulled over by the cops. License and registration, please. Remind your friend to do this one thing. Shut the fuck up. Man, don't give him shit. What the fuck you want? Get a white friend. A white friend can be the difference between a ticket and a bullet in the ass. Here's a tip you should never forget. If your woman is mad at you, leave her at home. Because a mad woman will say anything. He got weed! He got weed! If your woman is mad at you, there's nothing she'd like to see more. Then you getting your ass kicked. Now let's review. Obey the law. Use common sense. Stop immediately. Turn that shit off. Be polite. Shut the fuck up. Get a white friend. And last but not least, don't ride with a mad woman. If you follow these simple pointers, you probably won't get your ass kicked by the police. our last segment so uh first of all i want to just say a thank you to the plumbing doctor for helping us stay with this podcast and uh, i had a situation where i my faucet just wasn't turning off the water completely and uh, it was dripping and so in marysville where we are uh, it's very expensive water and uh, you want to catch every drop you can even 
even if you're letting the water warm up, you ca- I catch it and put it on the plants outside because it's very expensive here, water. And uh, you can have several hundred dollar water bill a month if you let it get away from you. So anyway, the water was dripping and I couldn't get it turned off with the faucet. So anyway, when they it's been so old of a faucet that it broke off when they went in to work on it. So I had to they had to cut the wall out and put in a whole system anyway. I had Ted Holmes, who owns a plumbing doctor, come over. Ted and I have known each other for over 40 years and great guy and uh, does a lot of missions trips all over the world. Last one to Cuba. And um, so he came over and worked here for little portions of three days, cutting out the wall, cutting cutting the parts out, putting in, putting in new tile and the bath. The, the Both sides of the wall had to be cut out. And so got myself a new shower system out of it. But... Uh, but, you know, life happens, right? You just need to replace stuff. I'm replacing stuff in my car, my my house, and my body. Stuff needs to get fixed, and you just need to pull the maintenance and, like, move on. So I got it fixed, and it's really cool. So if you want to – you have a plumbing problem, you want to get a quote from somebody, you can get these guys in Yuba and Sutter Counties by calling 530-671-9111. Five three zero six seven one nine one one one, and uh, see if they can get you going and and uh, fix what what you got troubling you. If your if your sewage lines blocked or you got leaks somewhere or things aren't working right, faucets aren't working right anymore, they can fix you up. Whatever the need. So um, okay, uh, I wanted to read you a couple things that I ran into. It says this one guy wrote. After all the stupid things I've done in my life, have you, can, I want you to think of all the stupid things you've done, dangerous things. You drove, drove drunk, jumped off high buildings, done drugs. After all the stupid things I've done in my life, if I die because I touched my face, I'm going to be pissed off. That's what this guy says. I feel the same, same way. Can you imagine a guy that's fought in World War II and saw hundreds and hundreds of his friends splattered? by machine gun fire and grenades coming home to have a, a little doctor tell him he had to wear a mask or he's going to catch a cold. I just, I just think it's so bizarre. Only this generation that I, I don't even know whether the men have testicles in this new generation, the millennials. I don't know. They even, I don't know whether they got to buy sperm and, and impregnate their, their women. I don't think they could pull it off on their own. It's just such a sissy, pitiful, sick, demented, mentally ill bunch of people I've ever seen in my life. It's so disgusting. From the guys that were in the greatest generation, my father's generation, I used to go deer hunting with them, hunting with them, and they had issues. They all, I mean, they they were sinners. They were imperfect people. But I'll tell you what, they were men. They were men. Not not what not not what we got today. I, I don't know. Uh, they're feminine men they're screwed up my friend dave bryant sent out this by thomas Paine. uh i don't even know whether it's all here or not i made it got cut off i don't know said these are times that try men's souls, the summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will in this crisis shrink from the service of their country. But he that stands by it now deserves the love and thanks of man and woman. 
tyranny like hell. Let me say that again. Tyranny like hell is not easily conquered. What do you think about that? Our forefathers were facing tyranny. He said, like hell, it's not easily conquered. People question whether Thomas Paine really knew anything about God, right? When you write things like tyranny like hell is not easily conquered conquered you got a concept of hell yet we have this consolation with us that the harder the conflict the more glorious the triumph what we obtain too cheap i want you to think about this this is this could be the motto of this generation the last say 30 years worth of generations what we obtain too cheap we esteem too lightly what we obtain too cheap we esteem too lightly. It is dearness only that gives everything its value when things are dear. Heaven knows how to put a proper price upon its goods. And it would be strange indeed if so celestial an article as freedom should not be highly valued. Do you hear anybody these days talking like this? Do you hear any of our five supervisors? Do you wonder if, if the five supervisors even live locally anymore or they just come to town for meetings and collect our checks? You know, some of our people actually stood out and handed out masks. I thought, why don't you just like collect all our guns for us as well? How disgusting. Totally. You talk about, oh, he's really smart. Really? He's really intelligent, that guy? Passing out masks to people? Let's all join the team and surrender to communism. Do you know that in Provo, Utah, that you know how they're blocking streets and freeways trying to harass people and break their car windows and stuff? This guy's driving a white SUV. I watched it on, on YouTube. And I thought he was just trying to get through the crowd, right? And they were rocking his vehicle. And then you could hear gunshots. And you you can actually see a guy shoot through the window. He shot through a side window and shot this man. He was able to drive off, but he shot him. Amazing. So you think, oh, yeah, well, they're just shooting some people that are trying to protect their businesses or something, right? No, they're next, actually, it's gone beyond beating people up that people are packing. The Antifa people have broke out, and they're now breaking out the weapons. You think, oh, well, that's just an isolated incident. How about you don't know what you're talking about? Do you know that there's stashes of guns here that the Muslims have, and they're willing to join Antifa? Oh, you hadn't heard that? I'm sorry that you're just out of the clue. So they arrested a couple people, a man and a woman. And there were a number of people that had guns at that scene. They're, we're not talking about patriots just standing by protecting businesses. We're talking about people that are busting up people. And then they fired into this car of this older man, 60-year-old man. Uh, you think, oh, well, it's not going to happen here. Ah, we'll see. You know, they trashed uh, Sacramento, you know. They trashed Sacramento. I'm just kind of scanning through here <clears throat> and picking out. Uh, oh, here's one. 
The guy says, my friend's son got bit by a bug. A friend of mine got bit by a spider right above his ear. Oh, man, it got looking funky. Really gnarly. Anyway, uh, my friend's son got bit by a bug, and after going to the doctor, he looked at the paperwork, the man, the father, and it said COVID-related, coronavirus-related. So he said to the doctor, hey, hey, wait a minute. That's not true. He said, remove that. This had nothing to do with coronavirus. My son was bit by a spider or something. And the doctor said that they can't because he said, if we don't put coronavirus, we won't get paid. And so this guy said, this is all about keeping us locked down and our freedoms taken away from us. So Democrats have power over people. He gets it. He gets it. This is a little deal. I won't read the whole thing because we're getting short of time. But this is from the New England. I'm reading right out of the New England Journal of Medicine. May 21, 2020. An excerpt. We know that wearing a mask outside healthcare facilities offers little, if any, protection from infection. Public health authorities define a significant exposure to COVID-19 as face-to-face contact within six feet. In other words, kissing somebody. I've even had people say, listen, even if you're close, you're not going to have a problem. Face-to-face contact within six feet with a patient with symptomatic. In other words, they've got symptoms. They're sick. They're, They're sneezing. They're coughing. They're freaking out. And it's got to be sustained over at least a few minutes. In other words, just passing somebody in a grocery line is not going to get it. They've got to, like, be blasting you. And some say for, for more than 30 minutes or even, uh, or so, sorry, more than 10 minutes or even up to 30 minutes. In other words, you've got to be around it for a sustained period of time. You know why? Because they're finding that, when they put all those people that had COVID back in nursery homes, what happened? They gave everybody else COVID. Why? Because they're within contact more than 10 or 30 minutes. And so the Democratic governors did that. They they stashed people, even though they had these hospitals that were never used. Remember the ships, hospitals, the hospitals on ships? Remember Arco Arena? You remember the brand new hospital they never even used? $21 million hospital in New York, never used. But Cuomo p- killed 5,000 older people in these old folks' homes. Why did he do that? Why did they do that? They say that nationally, 50,000 seniors, people's moms and grandmas and grandpas, died. You think, well, they were going to die anyway. That's what Cuomo said. That's exactly what Cuomo said. People are going to die anyway. That's what we said in the beginning. Well, what, why are you, do you need to push them over the cliff there, Andy? The chance of catching COVID-19 from a passing interaction in a public space is minimal. Minimal. And it's interesting to me. You're not going to catch it at a protest where you're shoulder to shoulder, but you're going to catch it by being in church. Do you know that Deborah Burks, 
I was told I watched this gal give this talk on uh, on on the social media. It was a, she was recording herself, and she said she was on an interactive. It wasn't interactive, but you could. It was a what do they call that? A community call to the White House, a faith-based operation. But your your talk was muted, but you could listen to what they were telling you. So Deborah Burks, the doctor Deborah Burks, comes on and says she blamed Christians for spreading COVID, even though the churches have been shut down. Then she turned around and said that she churches that were meeting could not sing because they were going to send out all these droplets. Honestly, people, this is totally insane. I, I would advise you. If you haven't watched the movie One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, it's like a 1970s movie, Jack Nicholson. It's Academy Award winner. It was, it's relevant today. If you're from Yuba Sutter County's Nurse Ratchet is Dr. Fong Lu. Go watch it. It's very entertaining, and it is shocking. It is, it is shocking. But that's what's happening here is we got one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Now, the mask has become what the term is a talisman. In the dictionary, it said a talisman is an object, typically an inscribed ring or stone that is thought to have magic powers or bring good luck. Or another, another definition would say ward off evil spirits. People are wearing the mask and almost as like a costume as a talisman because there's no scientific proof that it does Jack Diddley. And you know what they say when you say that I had one gal that I've known, I was raised with her. She's just a 10 years younger than me and I am. And she got PO'd at somebody on Facebook because she's anti-Trump and she's all for this uh, COVID. And she says, that don't tell me about mask. I've I've been I worked in surgery for eighteen years and we always wore masks. And yet masks don't do what you think they are. They're a talisman because they're a part of the uniform of surgeons and they're part of the tradition of medicine, but in a double blind study they tried surgery with all the other garments, the caps, the gowns, the gloves, the super sterilized everything and the surgeries they did without a mask were lower infection than with a mask because when you talk and you got the mask on that the air goes around the mask and the thing is they're trying to protect the patient you got his guts cut open or something cut open and it's raw meat in there and when you're talking during a surgery, it, the mask is rubbing small, minuscule, minutiae flakes off your skin that are germs, that have germs on them. Because you're, you're a big germ factory inside and out. You're all kinds of germs in your mouth. In fact, I, I saw a doctor say the other day, you should not. In fact, he's Stephen Gundry, who's one of the top surgeons in the country for heart. He said, you should not use mouthwash. <clears throat> because it kills the germs in your mouth that are good germs. You have good germs in your body and you on your body and in your body. And you don't want to be germ-free. You're nuts. 
The whole germ-free thing is nuts. It's totally screwy. It is not based by science. And that he says that that if that it's hard to change medicine, just like it's hard to change anything anywhere. Frankly, church, cops, firefighters, nobody does change well. Schools, teachers. That masks are from the old school, and the fact is, you can do better without a mask. Period, because they just cause problems. Uh, let's see. Let me see what I want to do. We just got three minutes left here. Uh, all right. Let me see. Oh, we got a, a sheriff. I love this guy. Watch this guy. He's in <clears throat> the state of Washington, and he's got Jay Emsley, who is really a pussy, man. He is really, he is twisted, man, this dude. Robert Snazza, I love that name, Robert Snazza. Uh, he's the sheriff of one of the counties up there. I don't know which county it is. I can't see it clear here. He says, don't be a sheep. He said, I am not going to enforce any of those mask deals. He said, it's baloney. And he gave a speech in all places in a church parking lot. In case you guys didn't hear, Governor Inslee, in his infinite wisdom, has decided that over a hundred and some odd days that we should all wear face masks inside and out, declared into a bullhorn while wearing a police uniform and no face cover. Here's what I say, said Sheriff Snazza. Don't be sheep. Right? Don't be sheep. Don't be a sheep. <clears throat> All right. Let's see. We only got a couple minutes left. Oh, I forgot this. Judge Parker in Sutter County did an injunction against Gavin Newsom saying he couldn't make a unilateral decision to send out ballots to all the people, all the registered voters in the state. And uh, and people have been asking, what happened on that deal? What happened was he got the assembly then, because they're all Democrats, the majority of Democrats, they passed Assembly Bill 860, AB 860, on June 18th, and Newsom signed it. So what they did was they passed essentially what he wanted, is they're going to send out mail-in ballots, but the one thing they did is they included an amendment that critics had called for, clarifying that only active registered voters will receive ballots to the exclusion of millions of inactive voters on registered lists. And did you know that in, in California, there's millions of inactive voters? What, what's that mean? Voters that haven't been voting. They're on there. So they may be dead. They may have moved to another location in California. They may have moved out of California. But they haven't cleaned them off the list. So if you send out those ballots to those supposed registered voters, say if I got one here for somebody that lived here before I did, I could turn around and vote and sign their name to it, send it back in. That's a way you can cheat. The measure now states, okay, so I'm going to skip that because we're out of time, but I'm going to run over a little bit and cover this. Now, you heard what I said. There's millions of inactive voters. They're supposed to be purged. 
<clears throat> critics. Uh, anyway, there's this group called uh, Election Integrity Project and EIPCA of California. It's a nonpartisan citizens watchdog group that opposes the legislation, has long raised concerns about California vote rolls. It estimates there are about a half a million voters on the active list who haven't cast a ballot since 2008. This is so interesting. A half a million that haven't, this is 2020. A half million that hasn't, they haven't voted in 2000, in, in, since 2008. They filed a lawsuit along with Judicial Watch in 2019 and won a settlement that mandated changes to the state's voters' maintenance procedures. Now, every county has a county clerk that's supposed to be working on this. The groups say the changes could remove some one and a half million inactive registra- registrations, not in California, just in one county in Los Angeles County. There's a million and a half inactive registrations in one county. Ruth Wise, EIPCA's director of legislative oversight. Uh, anyway, I'm going to skip that part because we're out of time, but I want to read you this. This has shocked me when I read it. They say we're still opposed to mailing out out vote by mail ballots to everybody on the roster because they haven't cleaned those voter rolls. You still have half a million people who are going to get ballots they shouldn't ever get. According to VoteCal, there are roughly half a million voters who have been completely missing in action for 12 years and most of them for decades longer than that. And then she says, we have some people up to 60 years have been on that voter on the registry and they haven't heard from them. They've been on, they're on there for over 60 years. She says, we have people who are listed on the California voter list over 105 years of age. Come on, people. This is so absurd. And you hear these people, oh, there's no voter fraud. She says, we have 178,000 who have never done anything electorally since the, since the moment that they registered. In other words, they got registered and never voted. In other words, on these registration campaigns, and they've never voted. Isn't that something? People that have been on there that haven't, they haven't heard from them in 60 years. Honestly, people, that's freaky. You talk about fraud waiting to happen. That's like leaving the, the door to your jewelry store unlocked. Trouble. All right, so uh, we're done for this week. Uh, enjoy uh, your Fourth of July celebration, even, and just remember that it really happened on the second, and it took to about the eighteen hundreds. And the United States Congress says we we prefer to have it on the fourth, even though it doesn't make any sense. So uh, if you run into somebody this week, I had a really great call. I've been praying for this gal who I was working with. She was an at she's an addict. And I lost contact with her. She said, Lou, I'm leaving the state. I, I'll, I'll touch back with you sometime. That I thought, oh, brother. She was really off off the hook. And she called me today. I've been praying for her. She called me today. sounded great. She's in a Portland rehab. I, it made my day. She sounded like the girl I knew before when she was doing good. So way to go. I feel good. So if you meet somebody that's having a tough time, do something good for them this week. And there's a lot of people out there that are good people that just made some wrong decisions. They they've uh, they need somebody to give them a hand up. 
and it may be somebody that God sent to to like check your generosity out and your uh, your character out. You might it said check it out. It might be an angel unawares. Okay. So thanks for listening. Uh, again, you can email me, Lou, at nohostagesradio.com, or you can dial me up at 530-713-1838. Okay, have a nice weekend. We're so glad to see so many of you lovely people here tonight. We would especially like to welcome all the representatives of Illinois' law enforcement community who have chosen to join us here in the Palace Hotel Ballroom at this time. We certainly hope you all enjoy the show. And remember, people, that no matter who you are and what you do to live, thrive, and survive, there's still some things that make us all the same. You, me, them, everybody. Sugar to kiss Sugar to kiss